Hi, and welcome to Creeps and Crimes Storytime. Good evening. I'm... You are always so serious. Last time you were like, good morning. <laughs> and welcome now you do the weather check. And now you're like, good evening. I kind of feel like you should be in one of those like dinner jackets with like a pipe or something. I would like that. Let's Can get you one. everything in the pipe? Like a... Noggin. <laughs> okay, so I don't know what she's talking about either. Um, yeah, I don't think we have any announcements. We don't have anything. We're back from the birthday trip. We're back really from the fun. birthday trip that was really fun. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss the hotel room acoustics so it much. So it was so easy to edit. It was so good. And we literally just did a... <laughs> We went in every room of my house and yeah. did some recording to test to see which room has the best audio. It was an adventure. And it took of its own. like half an hour, and half an hour, yeah. we ended up. We're now in the sort of dining area, living room area bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, that's kind of where we're at. And yeah, we just got the giggles right before yeah, this. Yeah, it's, it's put. Sophie said that we were on an MTV tour of my house, and it's just. <laughs> Took ages and so many places in my house are really terrible to record, but hopefully this is okay. Um, yeah, so without further ado, let's get mm-hmm. into it. So this is the story of Susan Cox Powell part three. Part three. Um, this is going to be the last part. It is going to oh. be kind of a long one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be horrendous. So... Get ready. Get ready for the yeah. big sads. It's coming. Okay. okay. Um, the last time, there. the yep, Probably. the last time we talked, we were still up to our butts in Josh Powell's bullshit. Yes. And we unfortunately, were. that is not going to be slowing down anytime no. soon. No, no, it's not. We do though mm-hmm. have the reintroduction of Gross Dad Steve back oh, into no, the mix. No, no, he can leave. No, he he's leave. coming back. No, he no. Can, Gross Steve is coming back. back. No, he's only we, bad influence. We've managed to avoid talking about him for a little while, yeah. but we've circled around and come back. All right. So police were seeing from all angles that Steve Powell was definitely somebody that they needed to talk to. Mm. Kirsty Halliwell, Susan's neighbour, had voiced to the police that something wasn't right with him. And Steve's own daughter Jennifer had told them of his predatory nature. Ugh. That's I know. Gross. It's, it's in so the gross. Name. Very gross. Two detectives went to Washington to speak to Josh and Susan's family members. In a recorded conversation with Steve, he said that Susan had been so invested in her faith to distract her from her own repressed sexual desires. Oh. Yep. That's- so He literally said that Susan was so into her mom and Faith because it was distracting her from basically just being horny all the time. That's bullshit. I hate him so much. (laughs) I hate that. I hate him. She was a woman of faith, and that's disgusting. She was. She really cared about her faith and about her church. Yeah, you shouldn't have to, you know, demean that. He initially... It's quite interesting. So when he sat down with the police, he initially talked about Susan as if he didn't fancy the pants off her. Sort of, sort of. He started out by saying, quote, I mean, she just seemed very happy to be around me, you know, among other things, um, which always pleased me because, I mean, she's the mother of my grandchildren. She's, um, she's, she's a beautiful young lady, you know, end quote. Yeah, I'm not convinced by any of this. Yeah, and no. there's a lot of me. There's a lot of, oh, also, just in case you can hear something in the background, my yeah. next door neighbors are doing some, some DIY next door. Um, I can't make them stop. 
We don't and know when it's going to stop. There's not really anywhere in my house you can't hear it. Um, it's the house at all. Yeah, we so we, we tried. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sorry if you can hear drilling. Um, but yeah, when I whenever I quote Steve, I always feel really awkward because he has a lot of, um, you know. Yeah. And it's just weird. And it seems like he can't mm-hmm. string a sentence together. It seems like a genuine habit that he just cannot talk coherently just with one line of thought. Yeah, he can't. And then it always ends up going back to him anyway. I think as well, he, he obviously that knows that he's spinning a load of crap mm-hmm. because he has to stop to, um, um, um. Yeah, he's got a thing. So he knows yeah. that what he's saying is bullshit. Yeah, and he's hearing his bullshit. It's like, let me change this again. So the detectives weren't stupid and they could tell when they heard this. They were like, ah, there's more to this. Yeah. Because they'd already heard it off everyone else. Mm-hmm. And now he was like, oh, you know, I love her because she's the mother of my grandchildren and she's beautiful. So the detectives dude bro him a bit. Oh. Yeah, so they were like, move. we're all guys here, we all know what women are like, etc., etc. Yeah. And Steve softened up a bit, it worked. Ooh. He went on to say, and this is quite a long quote, so, so strap I'll just in. sit back. <laughs> yeah. He said, quote, she started that whole thing with the, you know, feel my legs and sitting there on the chair like that, you know, with her, you know what I mean? And it was a pretty constant barrage. I mean, pretty constant but eventually, after it peaked, um, I, you know, I actually, uh, I actually confessed to her that I loved her because they were planning to move to Utah, and I did not want her to go to Utah. And I hoped that there was enough feeling there that she would stay. And, and she really got upset at me. She would not talk to me for months. It was a, it was a, it was the worst thing I ever did. It was so troubling. And after those three or four months or whatever it was, then finally when they when they got ready to actually move uh, out of state or whatever, I don't remember all the details, then I went over there to help them move and she finally came out of her room and she didn't really even talk much after that. But she she was at the point friendly, but it was ah, ah, ah. It was still obvious to me that the, the electricity was there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I could see what she was doing. You know what I mean? It's not like you can ignore things like that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a male. She's a female. You know. End quote. One, he talks like a virgin. Two, <laughs> he cannot even pretend to do bro. Like he does not. I mean, none of this is convincing. Just the stuttering and the bullshit. It's so feeble. It's so terrible. But honestly. Reading quotes from Gross Steve is yeah. genuinely difficult. Mm. It makes me feel physically disgusted, but I'm also cringing a lot. Yeah, you look cringy. Like, it's hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. Gross Steve actually told police officers that after Susan spent months not talking to him, he could feel the electricity between them. Uh, Dude, she was not interested. No, why would she be? She was never interested. She was cordial and polite to him when the children were around. Yeah, for the children. For the children. Literally for the children. Yeah. In Steve's mind, in Steve's mind though, Mm -hmm. being cordial and polite meant that she wanted to just hop on. No. No, Steve, it does not mean How much more of a narcissist can you be? How amazing can you think you are? But it gets worse. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, go on. We're going to do a little bit of storytime amateur dramatics again. Ooh. I wanted to use the actual audio, but I can't find it to download anywhere, so we're going to recite it for you instead. So this is for you. Thank you. You are going to play the role of Gavin Cook. He's one of the interviewing officers. Okay. And I'm going to play the role of Gross Steve because I don't want to put you through that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
Okay, so this is continuing from the police recording. It's on December 17th, 2009. Um, it's the same interview where I've just quoted from, but this is just more of the conversation that happened afterwards. Okay. And it's disgusting. So let's begin. All right. <clears throat> Was there any sexual contact or any sexual relationship between you and Susan? I'll, I'm sorry to be blunt, but, you know, one other way to ask. We never had We never had actual, you know, like vaginal sex or anything like that. No. Okay. Any kissing or touching or... Oh, yeah. Okay. There, there was some of that, yeah. What was that? I'm sorry, but... Well, you know, um, you know, one night she wanted me to um, um, massage her feet and her legs and so on because she was... She, she had been kind of standing up a lot that day and I... I you, you know, I did it. And, uh, you know, of course I moved her feet to my crotch so she could feel... Uh-huh you know, what she was doing to me, and that went on for about an hour. Okay. So that kind of touching and feeling, um, and then uh, she asked me to do her back, and I, I sat behind her and rubbed myself against her for about an hour or two. That went on for about an hour. Okay. She got up, and at one point, and I, I don't know what she was doing, but um, I also handled her, her breasts and so on. I went under her shirt and handled her breasts. Was she, she's not opposed to this then? Nuh-uh. Okay. During this back and forth, did she reciprocate? Did she touch you with her hands? No, no, no. Okay, so she just let you... No, she she just let me enjoy her, you know, curves and her curves and whatever. You know, that was about it. Okay. Did you guys kiss or did you kiss her? No. Okay. No. Was this a single time? That was. That that kind of was the, the peak of our... That was a single time. And uh, after that, that was some of the things um, that, you know, were just tamer than that. Let's put it this way, tamer than that. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, my taking pictures of her, clothed, clothed. And that's that's the end of that little scene. Yeah. What the fuck was that? So now I need to go and take a whole shower. Yeah, same. I'll get in afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) So Steve in this interview is referring to a massage incident Mm. and that happened in 2003 when Susan lived in Yakima Mm. with Josh. Steve fully believed that this was a genuine mutual sexual experience between the two of them and the fact is that years later he still talks about it with so much lust and longing and that says everything you need to know. Mm. He's looking back on that fondly and just horribly hyping it up more in his own head. Yeah. Oh, you know that door handle that you were jiggling in the first episode? Oh, fuck. Oh, it's rattling real loud. Ah! You can hear the locks turning. But it's not open just yet. It's almost like laughing at you. It's laughing at you. You can hear like a giggling through the keyhole. (laughs) So the detectives asked Steve if they could look around his house to check that she wasn't there. Because obviously Mm. she's missing. Yeah, she's It's December 17th. It's 10 days. So Susan's been missing for 10 days now. Mm. And a lot of people have been talking about Steve... Yeah. And they're like, okay, we need to check inside Steve's house. What so if she's in there? With yeah, exactly. And they're, they're sort of dude broing him and they're making out that, like, he's not just imagining this whole thing. No. So they're saying to him things like, oh, you know, you guys seem really close, so we want to make sure that she's not hiding in there with you. Yeah. That and it's not like a consensual affair. So, mm. Steve, I think he feels a bit like, oh, they think that I could attract her. So he's like, yeah, sure. I'll tell you what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, they had wondered up to this point whether Susan was stuck there and they just wanted to tick the box off. True. So they asked Steve, can we look around his house? And at this point, Steve started crying. Wow. And wow. I don't mean fake tears sniffling like Josh did in his police interview, yeah. but he's fully sobbing. 
I mean, for the sake of himself or for Susan? So it seems clear that, and the police officers thought that it was clear that he was genuinely distraught over Susan's disappearance. Because wow, okay. he was fully in love with her. He was, he was infatuated, obsessed, insulted. not in a good way, in yeah. a very unhealthy, disgusting way. Mm-hmm. But he def- he clearly cared a lot for her. It was very her. intense. Yeah. Even if it it's... was non-consensual and disgusting and abhorrent. Yeah, toxic and one-sided. But yeah, it was but it was a, a genuine thing that he was feeling. Mm. Um. And he tells the detectives that he wishes so badly that she was there. He was like, I wish she was at my house. He obviously clearly wished since the moment he laid eyes on her, he wished it. But he still did wish it. So he let them search and of course she wasn't there. But that doesn't mean that Detective Maxwell didn't have other ideas. As a matter of fact, he did have ideas. Susan's friends had been very vocal in relaying weird things that Josh had said. And he talked a lot about the West Desert and even bragged about how smart he was. He told people he barely knew that he was much smarter than people who got caught for murder. Seriously, like he barely so dumb. <laughs> just hey, guess what, guys? I'm smarter than everyone. I can get away with the murder. My wife's missing. Uh, just shut up. Just shut the fuck up. Yeah, but he literally would just brag to anyone that if he ever killed someone, no one would ever find the body. That's fucking He'd watch ridiculous. like crime shows and be like, huh, I could do it better than that. It's not I mean, to inspire you to. I mean, like I'm sure most of us listening could do better. Yeah, like, let's face it, we're all obsessed with so true crime. Yeah. But the way that he did it was creepy and weird and inappropriate. And he said that he would hide out in the desert in a mine shaft because there are lots of. So them. he's also a liar because he's back here. Huh? <laughs> he said that he'd go hide, but he's not hiding. No, he said that he would hide the body. Oh, I thought you meant himself. No, no, no. It nay, really nay. sounded. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, he would hide. No, he said that he would hide the body in a mine shaft. Oh, I because see. there was. Utah's full of desert, full of mine shafts. It's very literally flat, isn't there's it? thousands of them. There's thousands of mine shafts. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not massively flat. There are mountains in Utah. Yeah, but I thought there's it was like majors. flat desert as well. There's a lot of desert and there's a lot of mountains. And there's basically a lot of everything. So it's fucking huge. Mm. Um, yeah. <sighs> so in the year, right? So now we're talking about stupid shit that Josh would say. Okay. In the year before Susan went missing. Josh suddenly became very interested in camping. He was never much of an outdoor guy before this. He loved staying at home on his computers. He was basically like a disgusting basement dweller, except instead of getting his mum to bring him chicken tendies, (laughs) he'd get Susan to bring him like half hot dogs. Piece of shit. Yeah. Um, So it was not a normal thing for him to want to go outside or to do any kind of physical activity. Camping where you stay outside. Yeah, camping is all about outside. And he's not an outside kind of dude. But in the 10 or so months before Susan disappeared, he started to go into the desert a lot. He would take his sons with him and Susan's friends Kirstie Halliwell and Amber Hardman began to suspect after Susan vanished that Josh wasn't just going for fun. No. They became worried that he'd been looking for somewhere to hide her. Oh, that makes a lot of sense because it, it, he's been planning something clearly for yeah. a long time. Yeah, um, but especially with the purchases that he made recently before yes. she died. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in the sort of 10 months or so, they were like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, he's not just been taking his kids camping all of a sudden. He's been scouting for somewhere yeah. to hide her. For normal people, sure, camping is a hobby. Yeah. But when you get characters like this, yeah, suspicious. 
People suggested to Josh that he take his family to a nice campground in a national park or a forest. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you know, somewhere where you can, like, get a little lodge or, like, glamping or even just... <laughs> so, glamping. I don't know, <laughs> man. Really I think Susan would be really cute, camp, like, she glamping. Would. She'd be really cute. Um, but, yeah, I feel would. like people were suggesting to him, oh, there's all these, like, national parks and forests. Your kids yeah. would love it. Exactly. There's, like, a campground where lots of people set up tents together and your kids can play with other kids, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And he was like, nope, I want to go off dirt roads into the middle of mountains in the middle of desert that's so dangerous he took his sons looking for geodes what does this sound familiar to you no. Okay. So I, I no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. There's a lot of information that you've had to absorb. Kind of... Just let me. Well, right. Okay. So for anyone that isn't in the know, geodes are rocks that have crystal formations inside They're them. They're gorgeous. They're yeah. really pretty. From the interview, oh, hold on. you mean from the same case about the crystal washes? So from the interview yeah, with the forensic that. psychologist with Charlie the day after Susan went missing, mm-hmm. when they got back from their bizarre camping trip, yes. Charlie said that Susan had gone with them and she'd stayed behind where the crystals grow. Yeah. Could it be that Josh had taken his family on camping trips, scouting out locations to carry out his plan? And could he have told his sons that their mother was staying with the pretty crystals because he knew that they liked them so much? Yes. Also, I do want to just add that I really thought you meant geodes had appeared in another case completely. Oh, no. Which is why I was like, oh. I meant, does it sound familiar? Like, <laughs> it's why have I we heard <laughs> something about rocks in this? Rocks in this? Yeah, but in cases, I have no fucking clue. No, I don't know much about, like, geodes and crime. Geodes and murder. <laughs> That's not our like, I feel like geodes and crime is a different podcast. Police, mine experts, and rescue services started Ooh. looking in mines for any signs of Susan. Mm. And this is, again, like December. So right away, they started looking in mines. So it was not to spook Josh, though. They did it all mm. in plain clothes. So to Ooh, anyone else, wow. they would just look like campers or hikers. That's incredible. So the public didn't know about it. This was not no. publicly released. So a lot of people are like, oh, they waited so long to look in the mines. They did this, they did this. They actually did a lot of stuff covertly because they didn't want Josh to know. Mm-hmm. And it worked. He didn't know. They have to hide a lot so this was... Exactly. So, <laughs> But this was no easy task because in that part of the West Desert there are between five and 10,000 abandoned mine shafts. That's a task. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm shocked at that amount because that's a lot of space five and for 10, one mine. Thousand. But then in thousands that's yeah fucking so we talked last week about the scale of the search area oh. and it's maddeningly difficult to comprehend the sheer size of a piece of land with thousands and thousands of mine shafts i'm sat here struggling to be quite honest it's i mean you you sit there struggling quite a lot i do it's cancer season so I'm like extra struggling <laughs> she is she's already quite crack quack she's quack you <laughs> She's she's already <laughs> cried like three times today. <laughs> we have a habitual like thing of opening our sodies at the same time. And I kind of <laughs> so basically, I Sophie opened her can of Pepsi before I did, and I said, "Oh, well, we're not going to do it together." And she burst into tears. And it was <laughs> it was very weird. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, you're like yeah. triple cancer. It's cancer season. It's horrible and intense, and I can't avoid it really. So this is a great time to be talking about like a really horrible case yeah good luck <laughs> thank you so um yeah so they searched for months and mm. by the time they like we get into the next bit it was well into 2010 so it's like a few months later but they never came yeah, up with a single scrap of evidence that susan was ever out there but then this is like trying to map the seafloor 
There is yeah. just so much fucking space. Possible. Just 12 days after Susan went missing, Josh Powell packed his sons into the car with a bunch of stuff and drove to Grow Steve's house. And there he would stay. Did. Okay. He abandoned the house that he shared with his wife less than two weeks after she went missing. Did I say with his life or with his wife? I'm not sure. <laughs> Sure what I just said. I'm not sure what I just said. I meant to say, you know what? I don't actually know what I said. But he (laughs) abandoned the house he shared with his wife less than two weeks after she went missing. And to me, that makes it clear that he knows she isn't coming back. Definitely, he's he's got more knowledge than he's laying on. He does. Yeah, and he's acting for sure. Yeah, which is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it's dumb. (laughs) <laughs> At least, like, pretend good. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't. Don't pretend good. Pretend bad and get caught. Get caught. Get caught, that losers. <laughs> um, he and Charlie and Brayden had been in Puyallup for about a fortnight when then five-year-old Charlie told his primary school teacher that his mum was dead. Oh, God. That poor teacher. I mean, the I poor know, kid, the I poor teacher. say wacky shit, but that's clearly not that. That's clearly true. Yeah, and very, you wouldn't want to let that child go home. No. You'd, you'd want to hold them, stay here, stay here. Yeah. I mean, teachers are better people than me. The fact that they can tolerate sure. children enough to actually want to spend their days with them, like, yeah. I can't even mm-hmm. comprehend being that kind of human you'd being. Be like, no, no. But child. if you are that kind of human being, to have a little five year old come to your classroom where you yeah. want to create like a safe space mm. and tell you something like that, and then you have to let them go home, that's fucking shit. That would be heartbreaking. So shortly after that, Josh and his younger brother Michael were back in Utah. They drove down to... Michael helped Josh drive down to Utah with a U-Haul. Right. Packing the rest of Josh and Susan's belongings into a moving truck. Okay. Chuck Cox, Susan's dad, liaised with Jennifer, who's the good one, Mm. to get some of Susan's belongings out of the house so that they could hang on to some memories of their daughter. Because it was becoming increasingly clear that something terrible had more than likely happened to her. Yeah, and this is just a missing person, this this doesn't happen. Yeah, like if it's just, if she's genuinely been like kidnapped by someone Mm -hmm. or she's run away and the husband genuinely like if we believe everything that josh is saying he doesn't have a clue where she is why the fuck is he packing up all this shit 12 days after she's left and moves like to his parents house like a thousand miles away yeah you wouldn't do that you don't do that when you're anticipating someone to come home i mean there's been lots of cases that i'm familiar with of parents whose children have been kidnapped and gone missing Mm. and those parents have never moved house on the off chance that they are still alive and try to get home. Exactly. People you, never you move. Stay. You don't move. Yeah. If someone leaves immediately, they fucking did it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I completely diverted. Um, a storage bench that her mum and dad bought Susan as a graduation present was filled with Susan's journals, diaries, and just some of her things. <sighs> Little things that made Susan who she was. So pictures, special dresses... And Chuck has said that even though Josh had no need for any of these things, yeah. he just wanted them. Oh, he wanted sake. them so he could control whether or not her parents had them. What a piece of shit. He really is a piece of shit. No husband does that to his missing wife's parents, like his own in-laws. It's... Oh, you can't have that, because I said so. Other mm-hmm. members of the Latter-day Saints Church happened to be there that day because they were helping Josh pack. So it's quite like mm. Mormons are very like community-based. They are. So they knew that Josh was packing up, so they were like, let's go help. It's that kind of like ye old barn raising type Gosh. thing, you know, where they all just come together. So they were helping him pack. Mm-hmm. And Josh conceded 
because they were there. Yeah. Josh was like, fine, you can have the storage bench. Wow. But Jennifer recalls that she didn't get all the photos and he insisted on keeping the journals. Yes, that's fishy. So he said, now this, he said that he wanted the journals because Steve had asked for him to keep them to one side for him. Why is Steve? Didn't, I don't even know if I believe that. No, it's true. Steve really wanted Susan's journals. Why? Steve made it very clear to Josh Get me those journals. I want oh, them. That's scary. And this is Susan's journals from when she's an adult, but because it's in that storage bench with all her special things in, yeah. those are also childhood journals. Oh no, he likes children. Keep them away from him. He doesn't get them, does he? Oh. No. Don't. Oh. Don't. Oh. Don't. <laughs> don't you fucking die. So... Yeah, no, Steve got all the journals. What? No, no, <laughs> yeah. don't want it. No. no, he did. Chuck was obviously oh, upset Chuck. about this. Yeah. He was obviously devastated, but so was Jennifer. She was the mm. only one in the Powell family that wasn't an evil, manipulative predator or brainwashed by someone who was. Mm-hmm. She wanted to get to the bottom of what was going on. Good, and she good. would do everything in her power to help. So she decided that she was going to travel her ass up to Washington, spend time with her family. Although it was less about a reunion than it was about wearing a wire. Mm. She was going to confront Josh and the police were going to hear every (gasps) single word. Hell yeah. On the 22nd of January 2010, Mm. Jennifer and her husband Kirk arrived at Gross Steve's house. All of the Powell siblings were there with Steve and the two children. Despite the fact that Susan had not contacted her beloved boys over Christmas and their recent birthdays, Josh did not seem to be phased at all. Yeah, he'll have adjusted well to life without her. Oh, instantly. But the fact is as well, Susan didn't contact her sons over Christmas, but that didn't make Josh more worried about where she was. That's because he knew she wasn't anywhere that she could come back from. Yes, precisely. (laughs) Obviously, if he's innocent and didn't do anything, Mm -hmm. you'd think he'd be more worried about this, but no, he was happily making small talk about himself. Yeah, he wasn't vocal about it. Yeah, he was talking to everyone and, like, when Jennifer was talking to him to try and, like, get (laughs) to try and get sorry, my cat's making sounds Um, when he was trying to get information about Mm -hmm. when she was trying to get information about Susan he was literally just talking about himself. He was talking about the job he wanted to get. He was also telling Jennifer all about selling the house that he'd shared with Susan or letting it out to rent. Good for him. He talked about how he was really worried about money and how he withdrew Susan's 401k it's funny and all about his credit situation. He learns what money is and how to get it, like through a job for second Susan is not like. Yeah. Poor so him. now he's worried about a job because he hasn't got Susan to pay for everything, even though really? he's got her 401k, so she's still paying for everything. Um, he merely referred to Susan as an asset, not as a missing person. It was exactly as Susan had described herself in her final letters. That's fucking awful. Yeah. I, I mean, you heard me gasp. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Jennifer managed to get through dinner while pretending that nothing was wrong because she's a better actress than me. And me. I would not have been able to do that. Those mashed potatoes would have been flipped. Um, like coked in blood. Yeah. Covered soaked. (laughs) Covered soaked water. (laughs) Covered soaked. They're coked. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been a shit show. Whatever. It's cancer season. 
After the meal was done, she asked Josh if she could speak to him alone in an office. And this was it. That must have been quite... This was her chance. She must have been shitting herself. Like, if you really think that this guy has killed someone... Yeah, and you're also a lady probably of a similar stature as well. Yeah, it's just... It's it's really quite scary. She confronted him, saying that she was worried that he would be arrested soon. So she used that as an angle. She was like, I'm really worried about you. I'm really worried the police are going to take you in. So she tried to do it from a sense of, I'm looking out for you. And he replied with, quote, I don't understand what rumors you're talking about, end quote. He didn't understand what rumors she was talking about? Seriously? So she was like, I'm really worried you're going to be arrested soon. And he was like, why? He's so in his own head. He was like, why would I be arrested? And it's like, you fucking kidding me? (laughs) So she pressed on. She was like, whatever. She asked him where he drove the rental car. And he told her, quote, nowhere, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) I just rented it to keep it in park. (laughs) Better than having a job. So it turns out that Michael and Gross Dad Steve had been eavesdropping, and they interrupted. Ah, well, of course he did. Steve told Jennifer it seemed like time her and Kirk left. No, it's not. Jennifer did not stop there. Wow. Once Steve left the room, she rounded on her brother again, she and she went her. harder this time. Good. Quote, I think you just need to confess now and get it over with. Oh. I can see it in your face. End quote. Still, Josh denied he didn't even know what she was talking about. From here, things get super heated. And I highly recommend listening to the audio or mm. reading a full transcript of what went down. Because I've heard the audio. Yeah, It's incredible. Jennifer is a fucking superhero. And Josh, yeah. the way that Josh and Steve talk like so blasé, like they are gaslighting the shit out of her. And it's... I've heard a bit in a documentary. Oh, but it's, it's... I think they just play like... A little bit in a reenactment. Yeah, it. Oh, YouTube it. You need. You need to look it up. Mm. It's. It's fucking insane. They're awful. They really gang up on her. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So Scary. as Jennifer and her husband were leaving, mm-hmm. she said to her gross dad that Josh wouldn't be able to escape what he had done for much longer. And gross Steve said a shitty remark about Jennifer always having a hard time with reality. So he's just gaslighting oh, her. So there was a huge bust up back and forth where Steve and Jenny argued about Steve still being in love with his daughter-in-law. Mm. Jenny Whoa. was like, Jenny was like, you know, I have yeah. a hard time with reality. You're mm. in love with Susan and she's never even liked you. So she fully was like, <laughs> fuck you. Here's reality. Yeah, Don't so she'd it. been holding it together so fucking, I couldn't have done it. She was she holding it so together well. like a fucking bad ass. Yeah. But when Steve said that, I think she just fucking snapped. And I would have... touch paper. Yeah, like, I would have snapped a long time ago. I don't know how she did it. You're a behemoth. Thank you. No, you're welcome. But with this, he would have just crumbled with you. Aww. He would not laugh. But I wouldn't have got any information out of him, though. I would have just made him cry. That's also true, but we like a baby Christ. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, I just cannot believe how good she did. She was so strong. She... So and as well, when brave. you remember that this is her family, like yeah. she's talking to her brother, she but also like people. the patriarch of her family, uh-huh. even if Steve doesn't deserve to have any authority in any kind of way, yeah, she's grown up with him being the authority figure in her life, yeah. and he's a predator, yeah. and he's covering up for his gross son, and it's like all of these things, I don't know how she did it, but it's, I, I have so much respect, she's incredible, um, but yeah, and Jenny said that Susan couldn't stand him. She was like, she hated you. <sighs> even even Alina, God, the youngest know. of the Powell siblings, got involved. So oh. Alina is like the most fucking brainwashed little yeah, idiot. She's... And she, <laughs> little idiot. she 
She's still being a dumbass hero if she got it to Oh, me. yeah. She is so brainwashed Ugh. by her dad, and she calls Susan a lying bitch. <laughs> so brainwashed. I kind of want to give her the benefit of the doubt because she's been constantly going through abuse. She, like I don't even, I mean, she's she just, the one that found the porn magazine in her backpack when she was seven. Yeah. So she's not, grown up with all nice. kinds of messed up shit. Yeah. So she's not had a good time of it. She's clearly been surrounded by abuse and predatory behavior from day one, yeah. but she has drank some Kool Aid. She's like chugged that Kool Aid. <laughs> Do you mean like she's got the zoomies? Or like, no, it's a drunk. Neither. It. Have you not? I'm Kool-Aid? surprised being like a true crime fan, Do you, you don't know about this. Wait. Do you mean like Kool Aid stains in rental cars or the Kool Aid that goes through the brick wall? <laughs> <laughs> brick wall Kool Aid. So, you know, you know Kool Aid is an American drink, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, do you know about the, the cult? About the Kool Aid? I'm looking at Sophie now, like, I've never seen her before. So, this sounds familiar. Is this, is this the cult that used it instead of blood but pretended it was? What? <laughs> <laughs> what cool are you talking You're embarrassed. About? <laughs> I mean, I'm embarrassed for the cults in this Kool-Aid, yeah. Right, so basically, I always get mixed up, whether it's Jonestown or Heaven's Gate, oh, or if they're the same too. thing. So I'm pretty sure they're different. I think they're different, but they're both... Because Bailey's done episodes on them. Oh, okay, so yeah, Jonestown and Heaven's Gate, both of them ended horrifically, and I think because they both ended horrifically, mm. my brain puts it together because there can't possibly be two instances that are so awful. I'm sorry. I think yeah. that's how it is that's with fair. my brain. Um, mm. I can never remember which way around it is. Mm. One of them basically was like, let's all go to heaven. And they used a fake drink, didn't they? It wasn't a <laughs> fake drink. You get it. It was a big, huge, like punch bowl of poisoned mm, Kool-Aid and all the members drank it because they were mm-hmm. like we're going to heaven yay spacecraft yeah and then they all fucking died Ugh. and there was just yeah. bodies everywhere and it was fucking oh, awful and anyway it? so the expression if if you say that someone's been drinking the Kool-Aid then it means that they've basically <laughs> just been chugging a load of false ideas happily yeah and they've like allowed themselves to be brainwashed and they're happy about it Mm. so when i say that alina's been like chugging the kool-aid right now she she, does it make sense (laughs) yeah tragically it does yeah Yeah. i think you'll have helped a lot of people listening with that do you think i think in the true crime community a lot of people will have heard that phrase before. yeah well i'm here and i didn't (laughs) i guess that's true i guess that's true Mm -hmm. so back to reality oh the girl's great. No. So after Jennifer and Kurt get in their car and drive away, Jennifer just starts crying. Because she feels... I give her a big hug. She feels like she failed because she didn't get a confession from Josh. She just went through so much. She though. went through so, so fucking much. And mm. police officers that are literally trained to do this couldn't get it out of him. No. And they have never got it out of him. And... But looking into his eyes and facing him and getting nothing back. So no remorse, no mm. sadness, no concern, no anguish. Mm. Just staring into the void. And the because obviously when she's wearing the right the wire, yeah. it's still recording when she's in the car. Yeah. And you can and you can hear her voice shaking and she just cries out, Oh my god, he killed her. Oh, oh my no. god, he killed her. I'm getting chills. I've got so chills like, over that's... my whole all of my legs I've got chills. And it's you can hear the moment that's... when she realizes that it's not just a suspicion and she yeah. has looked into his eyes and she knows what he's done. She's seen the capability and what's happened. 
Yeah. It's an awful and reality. I, to I, face. I can't oh imagine it. Oh my god, yeah. I've got chills everywhere. Like I've read this through a few times mm. and it still gives me the, the heebie jeebies. That was weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> After Josh moved out of the house mm. that he was living in with Susan, yeah. he rented it to Dax Guzman, who's the neighbour who helped them with the decking. Oh, Do you remember yeah. the neighbour that was like, oh, you've got a lot of the fancy cools. tools here, dude. Did I say cool you said tools? You said cools. We're both fucking up a lot today. Oh, my God. Yeah, I blame it on the giggles we had earlier. Oh, my fucking God. We're not re-recording this. No, I'm not re-recording it. Um, so, yeah, he had moved into the house. Mm. Um as soon as he got in there, he tore up the floor and the paving. That's very John Wayne Gacy of him. No, he did it to look for Susan. Oh, thank God. He moved I in. I thought you meant he moved into, as in Josh was the... He, no, 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 no. So Dax Guzman, the neighbour right, that he helped did. Josh, moved into yeah. the house. He was like, yeah, I'll rent from you. Bye. And as soon as ah. Josh left, he ripped up everything. Oh, so that was Because he was like... I no, it wasn't an undercover operation. He just. No, I mean, of his own doing. Kind of. Well, yeah. I mean, he wanted to live there anyway because I think it was better than where he was living. But while he was there, he was like, "I'm gonna look under this floor." Mm-hmm. So he ripped up all the flooring and all the paving. He knew Josh to talk to and chat with, and yeah. he did not hesitate for a moment, thinking that he killed his wife. Yeah, fair. but like he literally knew him, mm-hmm. and he believed immediately. Wow, he's fucking killed her. Whoa! But he didn't find anything. Yeah. I mean, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. He found in the. I've not written this down because it doesn't really go anywhere. Mm. So I'm just kind of talking off the top of my head. But yeah. he, I do recall that he found in like the basement and in storage sheds and mm. stuff. He found like lots of big, huge, like five kilo tubs of like dried food, like lentils and beans and shit. Oh. Big, it's kind of like they were preparing for like. Lockdown. Yeah, kind of locked down, but kind of like a... Hiding away. Like a just-in-case thing, maybe. Or maybe mm. it's because he was just so fucking cheap. Yeah, probably. Like, what um, are we going to live on? Once yeah, and I do know that I think Dax Guzman saw all these big tins and barrels and he was like, fuck. Yeah, that's... I mean, at least he's checked so, yeah, all like, the flaws. So, yeah, like, there nothing was nothing there. in any of the barrels that he could find. Yeah. But he... Because of... The fact that he'd been in Josh's presence and felt that vibe, that as soon thing. as he saw those barrels... He was just like, oh shit. You, you put it together and there's nothing else. And just the to... fact that he got all those feelings yeah. says so much. Mm-hmm. And it seems like everyone around Josh all got those feelings when Susan went missing. Yeah. All of them thought, fuck, this has gone really badly wrong. Mm. So we're going now to March. So this is on, December, was... January, February, mm. March. So this is four months. Well, okay. So. Four months after Susan went missing, Charlie and Braden were taken into police custody for a second interview. So those poor boys got taken in for a second interview. Braden was still really young and he did not talk a whole lot. Was he three at this point? He was, yeah, he, he was just turned two, three. And yeah. She missed a birthday. Yeah, so he just turned three. They couldn't get anything out of him, though, because he's still really young and he doesn't talk very much. Charlie, however, did make some more interesting remarks to the forensic interviewer. Oh, good. Amongst other things, he said, quote, we can't talk about Susan or camping. I keep things as secrets, end quote. Oh. What do you think about that? I think no child should ever have to say that about the mother. Well, no. But the fact I noticed straight away is that he refers to his mother this time around as Susan. He doesn't, because in the first time, he said, oh, mommy stayed behind where the crystals were. Mm -hmm. Mommy's sleeping. But this time, he referred to her as Susan. 
So what I think is that Mm -hmm. obviously around the house, Josh, Alina and Gross Steve don't refer to her as mommy or anything. They just refer to her as Susan. Mm -hmm. And they clearly try to distance her relationship from her sons. Mm -hmm. The fact as well that this small child is coached to not talk about camping. Yeah, that's... that's Why can't he talk about camping? What is it about camping that would be bad? Yeah. Obviously, Josh realized that during the first interview Charlie did, he had spilled too many beans about camping, and he couldn't have that happen again. The police officer that drove the boys home is called Gary Sanders, and he noticed something both fascinating and tragic when he took the boys home. And this is interesting. I don't know if this was in the documentary you watched, actually. Anyway, so when they were getting close to the house and Charlie began to recognise that he was almost home, he changed his whole demeanour and started saying things like, quote, I'll just tell him I was with friends. I'm going to tell him I was with friends and that's all it was, end quote. Sanders said it was obvious that Charlie thought he was not allowed to talk to the police and that there would be a negative repercussion for doing so. He was five years old. Yeah. He was five. Five. His innocence is gone. Completely. That's disgraceful. So, like we said earlier, Charlie was bright. He would listen to grown-ups talking and pick up on things. Mm. He would see missing posters of his mother around town, and instead of gently explaining to the five-year-old that his mother was missing and people were trying to find her, like an innocent person would do, Mm -hmm. the Powells became angry with Susan's family for trying to make them look bad. They so so the Powells, apart from Jennifer, yeah. viewed Susan's missing posters as a personal attack to them. Why why would they do that? Doesn't and make told any sense. police they told police that the missing posters were upsetting them and the children. Narcissism is everywhere in that family. Exactly. It, not everything. It's not um, about oh this woman this member of our family apparently is missing. Yeah. It's oh no. This is an inconvenience to us somehow because it makes us look like we're guilty. By the way, we're really guilty. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I'm yeah. That, yeah. I conquer. So Steve also wrote in his diary around this time Bad. that Josh was, no, what? that Charlie was able to, sorry. So Josh <laughs> wrote in his diary around this time that Charlie was able to listen to adults talking and draw conclusions from it. Mm-hmm. So Steve had noticed this too. Oh, Steve, Alina, Josh and Michael were all discussing a plan that was going ahead in the desert in Utah. There was a huge search being organized online. So online groups like Facebook groups yeah. and like whatever. People like normal people like us were yeah. organizing search groups um, and several thousand people in the area mm. were going to be searching the area around the Pony Express Trail ah. because that's where Josh was camping. Mm. Driving? There? Yeah. yeah. Um, so the Powells were making derisive comments about the search instead of doing anything useful. So they it's saw that people were going to look for their family member mm. and they were like, ha ha, those fucking losers. And you just sat back like, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Because they're really innocent, that's obviously. so strange. So Charlie had overheard them talking about this mm. and then started saying that his mum was lost in the desert. That's heartbreaking. I Charlie. could only but the thing is, no. I could only imagine that Josh was not happy about this. No, I mean Because on top of this mm-hmm. and telling forensic interviewers that mommy was sleeping with the crystals, Charlie was beginning to paint quite a picture. 
And his memory was becoming very good as a child. Yeah, he was know? very articulate. It's not that his memory was good, but he had the ability to tell people about it. Yeah, and I lots think... of children do not have the ability to articulately describe something. Yeah. Some do. Mm-hmm. Charlie did. He mm-hmm. could do that really well. The thing is, and I don't think Josh liked that he could do that. Steve, you do children as animals. Josh probably picked up the same habit and was proven wrong with Charlie. Yeah. Because he was so fucking smart. Oh yeah, Charlie's clearly smarter than his you dad. hated that. I agree completely. The Powells had also begun to coach the boys against Mormons. That's a strange turn. Yeah. Given that they helped them pack. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. So they helped them pack. Order me a pizza. <laughs> I think that's what that was. One love a cake. <laughs> anyway. Susan's family, mm-hmm. and of course Susan herself, yes. were all members of the Church of the Latter-day Saints, which we know. Yes. And the tension between the two families was high. I imagine so. Yeah, but also the tension was not going unnoticed by Charlie. So Steve would basically just like criticise um, Charlie's maternal grandparents constantly mm. he would also just lump them in with mormons as a whole and just talk about how mormons are this and mormons are that and he had a real stick up his butt about this yeah he sounds very like vindictive oh incredibly did you just make get a life <laughs> just get over yourself and outside meet other people but this is the thing so charlie began saying things at school about how much oh he hated God. mormons <laughs> No. <laughs> oh no, 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 it gets worse. No. Five-year-old Charlie went to school and told people how all Mormons deserve to die. <laughs> oh no, sweet no. That's that's so gross because he's clearly picked that this up off other people. Oh, clearly picked it up as such a small innocent child saying something that yeah. is clearly not come from his own head. It's very out character. Yeah, and he so so he started going around just the teachers no, were right. sure that mm. these were examples of things that he was coached about at home. Definitely. In an attempt by Josh and Steve to make the young boy hate his grandparents on Susan's side. It's absolutely vile. It's, it's beyond vile. vile. I know that I've just had yeah. a good giggle about, like, mm-hmm. but no part of me thinks this is funny. No, I just use humour no. as a coping it, mechanism for yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. So then I... Because I have spent so many hours looking into this case. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. If I don't find something to joke about, I'm going to go insane. I'm just going to cry and never leave my room. Yeah, you crumble. Yeah. We all would. In addition to this, is as if it's almost like Josh wants all of his son's teachers to think that he's a fucking weirdo. Because he took a signed letter to school instructing the teachers that he was not allowed to be collected from school by Judy and Chuck or weirdly by Susan herself. Um, no. <laughs> so stuck. Yeah, so he took, he wrote a letter and signed it with a big flourish and took it to the teachers and said, right. my son Charlie is not allowed to be collected from school by Chuck or Judy Cox or by Susan Cox, their mother. That's really weird. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking weird. So I think he yeah, said yeah. about Josh and I what personally that just think that he said, Josh, no. <laughs> he's Josh. Only Josh can collect this child. That's what he no, said. No, basically, he said that 
like me, my gross dad, yeah. my stupid brother, and my weird little <laughs> idiot <laughs> sister. <laughs> They're allowed to pick up these kids. Uh, but any responsible adult in their lives is not allowed near them. I want to just take The Charlie. teacher fully believed that Josh had murdered Susan. Yeah. And thought that this letter was extremely bizarre. Yeah, poor teacher. I find it quite telling that it seems to be that every even mm. slightly educated person yeah, that ever exactly. met Josh thought every normal person that comes into this story is like, is wow, with, Josh killed her. Yep. Yep. Wow, he's fucking bonkers. He's he killed his wife. Mm-hmm. So Charlie's teacher saw the young boy drawing something with a grey pencil crayon oh. and she asked what it was. Mm-hmm. Upside down. It looked a bit like a mountain. He showed her the picture proudly and said, It's a gun! Oh, bless him! I get that's something that's not good to be drawn, but that kind of enthusiasm. I want to show you. I'm just going to take a moment. So it's this. That looks like a whale? (laughs) So she saw it and she was like, Oh, is that a mountain? Is that a hill? And he was like, no, this is a gun. And he held it up and showed her. And is she that was his like, little fingers? no, that's her. She's holding up. The, oh, she, yeah, she's holding up. Um, we have this picture mm-hmm. because Dave Corley is a legend. <gasps> Yay. He's so good. Yes. And to me, mm. I mean, I'm looking at this. Okay. I'm not, I don't think it looks like a gun. And that's not just because I think Charlie, the five-year-old, was bad at drawing. I think, and I haven't heard this anywhere else. I haven't. This is just my opinion that my little brain came up with by itself. Mm. I could be completely wrong. This could just be stupid. But I think it looks like a drill. I see that, yeah. It doesn't have the drill bit sticking out of the front. Like, it's not got the drill bit. Mm -hmm. But to me... That's what it looks like. It looks like a drill without does, the drill bit. Because many drills have that like second handle, so you don't. Yeah, go yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna put a picture of it on the gram, so you can have a look mm. for yourself. Creeps and crime story time. All one word on Instagram. Go have a look. It's creepy. It's really fucking creepy, especially if you listen to the last episode where I said about what I think happened. Mm-hmm. And then if he's drawing this, he's seen it too much. It oh man, I just. And as well, if he saw his dad do something bad to mm-hmm. his mom, or he saw his mom sleeping afterwards, yeah. and his dad was getting rid of this item, he might have thought it was a gun and that his dad shot her. Yeah, He could be seeing a drill, and then his mom is not awake anymore. Yeah. And if he's seen TV shows and movies and shit, mm-hmm. or if they've been played on the house while he's around, he probably knows at five that guns shoot people. Yeah. So he could have thought that that's what happened. Mm-hmm. We know that they didn't have a gun. Yeah. But it's a good Yeah, I just object. oh, I don't blame him. <sighs> Brayden was yeah. asked at preschool to draw a picture of something he did in summer. Oh, which is adorable. It is. He drew a picture of his dad driving the minivan. No. And he and Charlie were in the back seat. Okay. He told his teacher that his mommy was in the trunk. I'm glad he drew that. Like, I know it's awful, but at least we got it from someone. Because Josh wasn't going to fucking say it, was he? No, but just the fact that these little boys are drawing they pictures of like, guns and drills and, um, and be able to recall the truck, it, it oh. to the point they could draw it. So when Charlie would play on the school playground, Gross Steve would sometimes come by and take pictures of the neighborhood children. What? Yep. No. Yep. No. Yep. No. Yeah. He's illegal. He is illegal. <laughs> the parents of those children would ask Steve to leave. Thank fucking God. And then Um, the audacity. Steve would get weird about it and insist on staying. (laughs) 
He'd be like, I'm not leaving. I'm going to take pictures of your kids. It was very weird. And Steve definitely put a lot of people off without a lot of effort on his part. So just like his son, he did not have to do much to creep people out. No. He was just naturally And then repellent. he was insistent that it's okay. Yeah, he just repelled people naturally because he's disgusting. Yeah. Um, around this time, the police asked Josh multiple times for the passwords for his computer hard drives. Several of the many hard drives that they pulled from his house were heavily encrypted, but Josh never got back to them because he couldn't remember. I bet he had them written down somewhere. No, he just remembered them. Of course he knew what they were. Because yeah, he was obsessed like with his computers. Password one, two, three. No, no, no. So Josh Powell's passwords, um, we know from a couple of them that Ellis oh. Maxwell like saw him type in. And they were literally just strings of random letters and numbers and symbols. And it like, was <sighs> Yeah, it was a lot of them. Wow. They were like 30, 40 characters long. And all random, so people couldn't get it. And I thought my, like, one-sentence passwords were long. Yeah, no, 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 this is... He's intentionally designed his passwords. Obviously, you always design a password so someone can't get in. But he makes it so then, what are you fucking hiding? Yeah, there's a lot of effort that is too much. Let's skip forward a little bit to November. Okay. So we're going a few months. It had been almost a year since Susan vanished without a trace, and the Powells had not talked. Josh was frustratingly good at avoiding anything that could get him arrested. So he's just skipping around, being a little douchebag, and the police are trying to get him, but he's just not making a big enough mistake where they can get him and keep him and get him put away forever. Mm -hmm. Because if they arrest him now, they might be able to get a court case. Yeah. But then to convince a jury with no reasonable doubt that he killed her, mm-hmm. is very, very risky. And if the jury acquits him, they cannot retry him. Yeah, they can't try it again. They can't do it again because of double jeopardy. So mm-hmm. they have to be sure that they have something that erases all reasonable doubt. And at the mm-hmm. moment, they don't really have a lot. They, there's a lot of don't. circumstantial stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of everyone's gut feeling. Yeah. But you cannot send someone to jail forever on a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. It needs to be like... It needs... To they Yeah. They need it to be perfect. Because mm-hmm. they don't want to risk him getting out and never being tried. They want to no. make sure it's perfect. Mm-hmm. The police were talking with both him and Gross Steve in Steve's Puyallup home when a rather interesting conversation took place. Ooh. According to Detective Maxwell, in an interview with Dave Corley, did I ever mention that Dave Corley is really cool? Steve began to recite passages from memory from Susan's childhood journals. (laughs) Steve was sat down with the police and he began to recite from memory. Involuntarily? No. He just wanted to. Oh, that's even weirder. From her childhood journals. A Lieutenant Merrick was on the scene, and he noted in a report that when Steve did so, quote, he seemed to lose touch with reality and stare into the distance, end quote. Scene two. Yeah, okay. I get they have to put scene two, alleged, whatever there, but I believe that he seemed to do that. Obviously, Mm -hmm. officers wanted these journals. Yeah. They were like, we want this. Do we have any quotes from that? I have not because I've not got any quotes from... Do you mean quotes of what? The sorry? things that he actually recited. No, because that would be quotes from her journal. 
Yeah. And I have not looked for that because it's none of our business. Right. So they didn't document like what they he may have said. done, but oh. I didn't look for that. Right. Because yeah. I don't think it's my place, or I don't think it's anyone's place yeah. to be quoting Susan's private journals from when she was a teenager. Yeah, Like, not. obviously, I have quoted Susan's private journals from when she was an adult or when she was alive, mm-hmm. but purely things that relate to crimes that Josh has committed against her. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shitty way that she was treated, because it's important for people to know yeah. how to look out for abusive assholes. Mm. And because... Susan was a fucking hero to her kids and the world deserves to know and she deserves for everyone to know how Mm. much she did for them. I mean... But reading this, it would... To read this quote, it would show how creepy and disgusting Steve is because it's the sort of thing that he loves, but I don't feel as though it would balance out. No. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't want you to go playing them all over either. I just wondered what, like, I mean, you probably remember. I mean, think about it. It's a it's a teenage journal, so there's all this. It's gonna just be. It's gonna just be the whole thing. Really trivial, everyday teenage stuff. There's not gonna be anything in there that's like groundbreaking or earth shattering. It's just little tiny private moments from her life as she was figuring things out. As a teenager, like everyone does, mm. but to him it was titillating, and it was That's so disturbing. It yeah, but the fact that he was sat around with police officers and he was like, "This is a great idea." <laughs> That's why I wanted to bring that up because yeah. I th- I feel like knowing that he did it enough shows how disturbed he is. You don't need yeah. to know what particular content he loved most, but the fact that it happened at all. Yeah, that alone is gross. Yeah. It's incredible. So, gross. for a start, the journals did not belong to Steve and Josh. They, they were not theirs. And secondly, even if everyone kind of knows that Susan is most likely dead at the hands of her scumbag husband, yeah. the, the police officers need to know as much about her as possible on the 0.0001% chance that she did leave of her own free will. Yeah. So, they need to literally cross off every possibility so even if it's the tiniest most remote chance that susan left on her own Mm. they need to read those journals in case there's something in there that can help find her yeah and besides i think the police knew as well that these creepy men should not have that no not at all it's not for them to. of course the pair of losers said no josh didn't want to relinquish control of anything that someone else wants and steve is just obsessed we said earlier that Steve asked Josh to bring him Susan's journals from the Utah house, and now he has all of them. He doesn't want to let any go. No. Gross Steve offered to make copies of certain pages for the officers. Oh, fuck off. Exactly. No. But the no. police officers wouldn't have it. They wanted to take the journals. Yeah. Steve had the audacity to propose a trade. The audacity trade, of this man. Trade oh, oh, trade you, he suggested that he would turn over Susan's old journals, now he's memorised them, uh-huh. if the police gave him the journals detailing Josh's abuse that she kept hidden at work. That's not how this works. The police obviously Get told fucked. him exactly where he could put that idea. Good. <laughs> In reading Steve Powell's obsessive journals of his own, Dave yeah. Corley found a passage from 2003. 
where Gross Steve is discussing Susan's personal writings for himself. So what, that he journals this? I know. So right? this, again, this is another one where I'm reading something that he's written previously, but it kind of relates to now. Yeah. yeah. So he wrote this in 2003. In January of that year, Josh and Susan lived in Washington and Steve was nearby. Right. Do you remember? It was just after they got married. Mm. They lived in Washington. Then they got evicted. They had to move into Gross Steve's house and yeah, then they moved to Yakima. Sheet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is when they lived. This is just after they got married, but before they moved into Steve's house. And this is from Steve's journal from this period. Mm-hmm. He says, quote, I have had access to their storage room for a few days and couldn't help but notice two enticing storage boxes, one labelled Susan's photos and one Susan's journals. When it comes to Susan, I stop at nothing. I helped myself to everything in those boxes and have scanned hundreds of pages and photos. I don't feel in the least guilty about these things. I scanned everything into my computer and now have copies of dozens of early pictures and all her journals up to late 2000. If she loves me as I think she does, she will not be upset. In fact, she will be thrilled that I am so interested in her. Josh hasn't read them and never will. End quote. The, two the, of them, the, the whole time I read that, I could just see... How to incriminate myself 101. I just, out of the corner doing. of my eye, I could just see Sophie, like, having an aneurysm. Like, yeah. I, just, like, sputtering and, like... Ugh. So what the fuck like, is this guy doing? Why? That's so invasive and Sophie, gross. don't you know he's entitled to whatever he wants? Ah, no, he's not. He just, he, he needs someone on a regular basis to tell him that. And he doesn't have that. He gets worse. Literally everything this. about him is disgusting. He is so incredibly entitled and he believes he is entitled to everything in front of him. Yeah. The only respect that he has is for his own wants. And he makes me physically sick. When reading these journals that mm-hmm. Susan wrote, yeah. Steve was disappointed that Susan didn't mention him very much. I'm glad she didn't mention him very much. Yeah, but he was like, oh. Why am I not in this? I'm so Of great. course, she since the day that Steve met Susan, mm. he was convinced that she reciprocated his feelings of lust. Because don't you remember she started it? Oh, yeah. And this was a bizarre and secret dance of desire that only they knew about. <laughs> okay, Steve. So why hadn't she written about her feelings in her private journal? The idea that it was all in his head did not even occur to him. Of course it didn't. He rationalized it out in some other way. And I have a quote about that. Of course I do. I don't mind quoting this loser. I could oh, yeah, like all of his private shit. Go I will down. I will put that into the world because yeah. he doesn't deserve anything. He does not. Quote Most profound to me is that there is nothing positive said about me. I'm almost a footnote. And with all the other negative comments about me, she doesn't mention a word about my sexual proclivities, <laughs> which include taking video clips of her from head to foot. It's too bad she's silent about the sexual magnetism between us. End quote. Well, Steve, you got a paragraph here. Does that comfort you? <laughs> I'll talk about you, Steve. I'll yeah. talk about what a fucking loser you are, and you've probably got a skinny penis. Yeah. <laughs> even when talking about how there is nothing even in her private journals, mm. Steve still refers to their relationship as sexual magnetism. Oh, I'm so sick. He is of this so guy. fucking deluded. Fucking and Steve Christ. even went as far as to go on the Today Show on NBC. Sorry, what? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My daughter's in love is missing. Yeah, I wanted to fuck her and she wanted to fuck me. <laughs> it's not, that's not what you do. She just did like surfer dude bro hands. <laughs> she just dipped. No. So, so the Today Show on NBC, he led a camera crew around his filthy hoarder house and showed <laughs> the journals to them. 
and I've seen I've seen this and he can be he's got them like open in front of him and he can be seen turning the pages with a reverence and looking at it with longing like he's a priest looking over a holy text no oh it's yeah I fucking hate this guy he bragged about having these journals for months and even well into the next year in 2011 he was still talking about how much he loved to read them and bask in Susan's teenage writings it's so frustrating that all of this is documented and yet it can't be uh, acted upon in terms of please getting him to talk to them properly about it but he's willing to show this on a oh he is just I'm face palming my head on the wall like everything that Steve does is either to further his own desires or if he can't have what he wants he makes sure that no one else has what they want Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of the time I'm writing about this I'm not let's not mention any names but he reminds me of somebody that we know in real life Someone that we're related to. I was going to say, do you mean... <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Yeah. And mom, when she's listening to this, she's going to be like, oh, I know what this is. Like... <laughs> yeah. But God, we are unfortunately related to someone who yeah. reminds me of Gross Steve. Not in a sexual way. Thankfully, not But like in that, the very no. narcissistic and if I can't have this, I'm going to make it really hard for you. And the constant gaslighting. Kind of way. Yeah. Yeah, we just, we just not, yeah, we just, yeah, it's the same thing. Um, but yeah, so unfortunately, we kind of know someone a bit like this, and yeah. it's impossible to deal with them. They're insufferable. It's, it's like, I can't take you seriously when you're talking to me right now, because everything you say is clearly bullshit. Yeah, anyway, I'm going to try and get back onto this. Susan's parents were pissed. Yeah. Chuck, in particular, did not hold back when it came to his opinions of Gross Steve. And he was more than willing to do anything it took to get his daughter's treasures possessions back. Mm, Steve was threatening to publish the journals. So he, Steve wanted to publish them because apparently, according to him, Mm -hmm. the journal showed evidence of how sexually liberated she was. And this would back up what he was saying about Susan leading him on. If all he cared about, he's saying, but it's like all he the, cared about that doesn't make sense. was not finding her and bringing her home. No. He was like, I want everyone to know that she fancied me too. Yeah. But it doesn't say anywhere. Doesn't and care he about even, where she is. But no, but Steve even said mm. in his journals, she doesn't write about me. But because apparently, according to Steve, mm-hmm. Susan was a horny teenager, it proves that she must have also fancied him. And it's like. Are you high <laughs> on the Kool Aid? No, that's not how you use that joke. Well, you know, like you, go, you know, Steve. like how when Anchorman is joke. like when in Rome, and he's just using <laughs> phrases in the wrong place. Kool Aid, you went in Rome bit. Anyway. Chuck Cox obviously did not want the journals to be leaked to the press, not because Steve was telling the truth, but because these were the thoughts and feelings of his precious daughter when she was going through the complexities of adolescence. Mm -hmm. They were private and personal, and he could respect that. Chuck wanted to arrange what's called a honk and wave. Do you know what that is? That. I'm guessing it's some kind of legal thing. No, 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 not necessarily. Yeah, so what? a honk and wave, it's like a protest. So you know, if you have like the signs, oh, literally, honk and it's and like wave. honk and wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, if if you have a cause that you care mm-hmm. about, you'll have signs. You'll go out into the street, yeah. and you'll get cars to like honk their horns at you because it generates attention and awareness. Yeah, and it's just really good for things like that. It's huge mm-hmm. in America. We don't really do it a whole lot over we here, don't honk but Americans are all about the honking and the waving. So Chuck was like, I want to arrange a honk and wave, and the police oh. were like, fucking good idea. Yeah. So they could not the police could not tell chuck (laughs) 
you need to arrange your Honkan wave here mm. so that it will be seen by Josh and Steve and then you guys will get into an argument. They couldn't do that. But what they could do right. was if Chuck said to the police, I want to arrange a honk and wave here, they'd be like, cold. And then he'd be like, what about ah. here? And they're like, warmer. Ah. And so the oh, police like didn't break any rules. Yeah. But they did kind of very subtly, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly, mm. apparently, maybe. No. They sort of like nudged him into the right place. He gave it a silent thumbs Yeah, up. so they steered him gently to a good location to do it mm. because they had been following Josh and Steve for a while, so yeah. they knew their routines and everything, and mm. they knew that Steve Powell would be passing by this particular place at this particular time on a particular yeah. day. In order for the police to get their hands on the journals, yeah. they needed a warrant. Mm-hmm. They can't seize it without a warrant. And to get a warrant, the journals had to be important to the case. So because they're Susan's teenage journals, the police can't go and say, we need these, because it's not relevant to what's happening now. True, yes. So they can't do that. So to get the warrant, Mm -hmm. someone needs to, someone who has them with proof needs to come out and say that they're important to her being missing now. Right. They needed Steve to talk about how vital they were so that the police Ah. could seize them. Yeah. They also... Tipped off reporters to Ooh. cover the hunk and wave so that there would be lots of footage of the interaction that was bound to take place. Yeah. So police can't go and get an officer to film it because no. then it would make it look like the police had set it up. Yeah. And but actually if reporters just happened to be there that's their and job. they happened to film it and the police mm. happened to see it, Ooh. that's different. Mm-hmm. Very different. So... They wanted there to be some kind of interaction. And, oh, was there an interaction? Mm. Steve pulled up and called his stupid son, (laughs) telling him to get over there. Oh, wow. Steve confronted Chuck, and there are videos of this you can watch. I suggest you watch this. Steve said... You think that's bold? Oh, man. Steve said to Chuck in front of cameras that Chuck abused Susan as a child... And that there was proof of this in the journals. Bingo. He fucking bingoed himself. He did. Um, Sophie's gone silent. I'm fucking You stunned. barely even blinked, man. Like, <laughs> what, so, what do you say? So, Josh sewed up right on cue to God. sniffle for the cameras mm-hmm. and to tell reporters Chuck Cox is being so mean and he's trying to make things really hard for me and my family boo hoo I'm waiting for the the time where he's going to talk about his still she literally wife. looked at her watch right then like, it you can't see it but she looked, <laughs> looked at her watch casually and was like you're not waiting for the time for this fucking asshole <laughs> so it turns together. out that the journalists from Fox 13 added the videos to their website Ooh. which meant that they were now in the public domain yeah, yeah, this yeah. made it so that the police could use the footage as evidence to get the warrant and like get it. it they did sometimes the media this is, is where shit like gets this? real good mm. right so on the 25th of august 2011 west okay. valley police set up a crime scene trailer outside gross steve's property <laughs> yeah. reporters began to swarm and the family inside the house was beginning to look increasingly worried good as it happened mm. gross steve was out of town that day 
In an interview with Dave Corley, Detective Alice Maxwell was totally not hinting <laughs> that the police sent Steve out on a bogus job prospect somewhere far away. <laughs> I was going to say, was to he looking for a fucking job? Out of the house. So Steve, gross Steve, he does have his own job. He does like contractor stuff. Mm. And the police did absolutely not call him nope. and tell him, oh, Why would they? 400 miles away, we've got a great job for you. That isn't something they do. I they did not do that. that. They absolutely didn't do that. No. Nope. Detective Alice Maxwell did not come up with that amazing plan. He didn't do it. He did not. But whoever did, brilliant. Kudos to them. Amazing Thank work. You. It would. The warrant itself covered Susan's journals, computers that might have scanned copies, digital ah. media, photos, videos, trace evidence, or anything else that might have Josh's encrypted passwords on. Ah, so the warrant covers good. quite a lot. That's good, that's good. Inside the house, Josh told police that he couldn't remember any of his passwords. He just can't remember. Poor boy, we'll get you to remember this. He loaded his (laughs) sons into his car and they left. I thought you meant Steve was loading his sons into the car. No, Steve's out on a bogus job 400 miles away. (laughs) Josh is like, I know that they're both disgusting. It's quite hard to keep up with which one is more disgusting. Yeah. Uh, We've got old disgusting and new disgusting. Yes, we do. We've got gross Steve and idiot Josh. The icky Josh. (laughs) The icky Josh. I hate all of these people so much. Um, Alina, Josh's youngest sister and fully brainwashed by their gross dad, kicked off massively at the police but was made to stay in the back garden while the police did their 10-hour search. Which I think is fucking hilarious. (laughs) By the way, by the way, does this warrant cover things that may be in the garden or literally the house? I think it's for the property. Because sometimes... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it can either be a house or a property. Mm. Um, I... They probably won't make much difference. I but, don't um, know. I don't have it here. So... No, no, no. It's a good question. <laughs> um, I don't know, though. Um, the house was a mess. It was a proper hoarder's house with Ew. boxes of drunk everywhere. Oh. Josh's room was, according to Maxwell, yeah. less messy than everywhere else. Not tidy, mm. just less messy yeah. than everywhere else. Okay. On a desk in the bedroom, he saw notes taken from Susan's journals and a to-do list of things to upload to susanpowell.org, a website that Josh had set up to make himself look like someone who was interested in finding his wife. (laughs) So he's doing the bare minimum. I shit you not. He set up a website to make it look as though he gave a shit. And on the day the police came around, next to his computer, there's a notebook open with a bullet point that read, quote, throw out some more theories, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) cracked along <laughs> remember wife is missing not dead point don't get point. confused point and point. don't tell police where I hit her cross out fucking this <laughs> fucking <laughs> I just oh man Susan's, Susan's childhood <laughs> journals were recovered safe and sound. They are now back where they belong <gasps> with her parents. Oh, thank God. So they got so them back. No, nope, they truck. got them back. Thank God. Ugh. I want to mention John Powell for a moment. Do you remember John Powell? Mm, no, I think I There's a lot out. of Powells. This, yeah, they're <laughs> Wait, all Wait, is that gross. one of the brothers that inspected his sister? Quote, unquote, inspected. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, John Powell is... So it goes Jenny, Josh, John, Michael, Alina. Right. So John is literally exactly the middle child. He's either one year or two years younger than Josh. Mm -hmm. And there's like a five-year age gap between him and Michael. Right. So John is right in the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, 
he's the one that inspected, quote, Alina when mm. she was small and naked with Josh. Mm-hmm. And he's also the one that was talking to Josh when Josh said, women are only good for their bodies, aren't they, Dad? And Steve was like, yeah. <laughs> so that's John. Okay. Um, at this point, he lived with them in Gross Steve's house. John is not mentioned much in relation to this case because mm. he did not have much to do with it. Okay. As Josh got, as John got older, it became clear that he was very mentally unwell. We don't know what exact illness he has, mm. but he spent some of his adult life in and out of a care facility. He was actually unable to give the police any useful information whatsoever during this investigation, so I don't think they bothered him too much. Mm. He once answered the door to police wearing a nappy. Oh, what? Or to our American listeners, a diaper. Ah, Um, yes. So, yeah, they kind of were like, oh. He bedwards too. Yeah. I do think that whatever Mm. mental condition that John has, it's probably all the gross abuse that Steve has been putting on all his kids, Definitely. it's not going to have helped. No, not, not so, no way. Obviously, no. because I don't know what it is that's wrong with him. Mm. I'm not in any position to try and speculate because Can't. I have no idea. No. But Steve has definitely not helped. No, That's for really sure. Shitty, bad influence on The police did go inside his room, though, because it was part of the warrant to yeah, explore the whole house. That's fair. They didn't find any evidence relating to Susan. However, it did provide an insight into the damage that Gross Steve had inflicted upon his children's oh. mental well-being. Okay. They found a noose. Oh, my God. Yep. They found, they found a, a rope noose. <sighs> okay. They found disturbing drawings. One of them was a vagina with a sword through it. Jesus. Yeah. There were lots of... There was... There was lots of... Like, drawings of vaginas and blood and trauma. But the one that the detective specifically described was the one with the sword run through it. That's very telling. There were bags of hair and toenail clippings. And it was really unsettling. Yeah. The next room that the detectives would go into would be Steve's. And nobody was ready for what they would find in there. I was too stunned to ask a question. Uh Uh-huh. Did they ever test the hair and nails to see who they belonged to? I think they were John's own. Or was it clear that it was John's? I think it was his own. Yeah. Um, So the next room they went into was Steve's, and what they found in there was horrific. Is that locked door still? It's jiggling. On the next episode of Mm -hmm. Creeps and Crime... No, I'm just kidding. What? I'm kidding. (laughs) We're we're gonna do it now. I'm not gonna, like... I'm just... I'm just trolling. No, I'm just trolling with you. We're gonna... I'm gonna make you sit through it all right now. Okay. Yeah. There's... Yeah. We are officially halfway. Oh, wow. And we're an hour and 19 minutes in. This is gonna be a really long episode. Um, I don't want to make anyone wait for a fourth part. I want to just do it now. Let's just, I just, let's do it now. So Steve had a walk-in closet. Inside this walk-in closet was a filing cabinet. I could say a fire. A fire. (laughs) But no, a filing cabinet. The filing cabinet was locked. The filing cabinet was locked, but Mm -hmm. the police were like, we're not waiting. So they used a drill and just opened that fucking thing right up. Um, And the contents disturbed everyone. So, like, no matter what the police officers had seen, Mm. this was disturbing. It's also always getting worse somehow. The cabinet had two drawers. Right. The top drawer was filled to the brim with trophies. Everything was related to or belonged to Susan. He had stolen a black bra from his daughter-in-law... And a red blouse. Oh, no. In a sealed plastic bag, there mm-hmm. were temple garments. Still, what? So, I'll explain, because I didn't know what this was. 
So women in the Church of the Latter-day Saints wear special garments under their clothing when going to the temple as a promise to their Heavenly Father. So it's like special underwear that you wear. And it's something that women do. Hmm. I'm not sure I agree with women having to wear special underwear to go to church. I think that's sexist and creepy, but that's just my opinion. Um, But that's something that Susan believed in. And to her, it was very special. Hmm. Um, And it's like a sort of... I don't know if it's like a chastity thing or like a promise. I don't know. Whatever. But it's special and it's important. Yeah, it's important to her. Yeah. And to Mormons, this is a very sacred and special thing. And Stephen had stolen these from Susan's laundry a decade ago and kept it sealed for his own pleasure. Very, very, very rude of him. Very rude. To steal, like, clothes, but then a religious thing. I think the fact that it was Susan's underwear... But because it was something that was so valued and sacrilegious, the fact that it was forbidden probably made it better for him. If it's that more personal, yeah, it's rich for him. There were lots of photographs of Susan. So I know that you've seen... I showed you that documentary recently, so I know that you have a brief overview of this, and I know that it talked about this. Yeah. But obviously I don't know how much detail you know, mm-hmm. um, but I'm going to go into it. Go for it. Um Some of the photographs were candid, normal photos, but most of them were not. There were photos that had clearly been taken when Susan didn't realise that she was being watched, such as when she was getting undressed. There were photos of Josh and Susan together, even from their wedding day, where Steve had cut out Josh's face and replaced it with his own. (laughs) It's very Christian. It's very Christian, but it's just, he literally... He literally glued his own head over his sons in their wedding photos because he wanted to marry his daughter-in-law. Stupid little man. And that's not everything. It's not. I'm so sorry, but there's more and it's all horrible. Oh, I am not shocked. Still in the same top drawer, police found little plastic bags. They were... Do you know what this is? Do you actually not know what this is? Is it her hair? I'm sure he has, like, her stuff, like, used cotton wool pads and whatever. So, yeah, all of these bags were dated. Oh. He'd written the dates on all of them. <laughs> Some contained Susan's worn underwear that Steve had taken from the laundry basket. Some had toenail and fingernail clippings. Ah, yeah. Some had used tampons that Steve had fished out of the bin in the bathroom. I bet he put them in his mouth. Steve had some cotton wool pads that Susan needed to take off a nail varnish, so that's what you remembered. Yeah. He'd kept all of these things, all of these, as trophies, and sealed them away and dated them for his own reminiscing and pleasure. That's really strange. I need to, to cough. To... <coughs> Sorry. It's cancer season. <laughs> but it's just, you can kind of... Imp- I mean, I'm kind of desensitized to a lot of this stuff because yeah. I... Like, I've known about this case for a few years, and mm-hmm. I read a lot of horrible things yeah. to further my own knowledge. So a lot of things don't gross me out. Yeah. And I must admit, reading this, I don't feel any more sick and disgusted than I usually do when I'm reading about Gross Steve. I'm like, nothing surprises me anymore. Yeah. But the idea of him, like, waiting outside the bathroom yeah. for her... And hoping... And hoping... What's it gonna I, I hope she's on her period. Yeah. What's it gonna? Yeah, what's it gonna be today? And he's got heavy, a little plastic bag, it. and he like writes the date on. Mm-hmm. And the idea of her just existing, existing in the bathroom, yep. just having a little private moment where she changes a tampon, like all women have to do, yeah. and yeah. where she, if she's like, like 
like doing her nails, mm-hmm. giving her herself a little pedicure, mm-hmm. doing little normal moments like that. And Steve, even Things then, that make you happy. is preying on her. Yeah. And she doesn't have a clue. And he's just violating her for his own gain. That is the bit that makes me really disturbed. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for what's in the bottom drawer? No, because with the top drawer, it's carrying on from what you've just said, that it it disturbs me also that he probably concealed it very well. Oh, he like, would have, wouldn't have noticed Well, I mean, that she knew that he was creepy and disgusting, yeah. but I don't think I don't think she knew he was collecting knew, her things like this. Anyone knew about this. Yeah. I do think that there is something I read where Susan, I think, started to realise that her underwear was going missing. Mm. Because Stephen... Steve, as much as he's disgusting, yeah. he's not a complete idiot because he did figure out that if he just takes eight pairs of knickers from the laundry basket, Susan's going to notice there's eight pairs of knickers that are missing. Mm-hmm. So what he did, he put so much effort into this, he would go out and buy the exact same pairs of underwear wow. that Susan had. He would look at the labels, yeah. find out where it's from and put it back. And then he'd go and buy it and swap it. But so Susan he's used to secretly trading shit. Yeah, okay. but like Susan, I think figured out that something was up. Yeah, because you know it's when pants are new. Yeah, you they know that if, new feeling. Yeah, like, yeah, they have that new pants. feeling. And imagine you'd be I, like, I brought some with me. You'd be like, oh, new pants, and then oh, new pants. Why do I yeah, have so many? Like, new why pants? Are these new? Yeah, my husband didn't yeah, buy yeah, them yeah. because he's a cop. And so I think. Susan started to mention it, but I don't know if she thought it was Steve or if she thought it was one of the brothers. Yeah. I think she yeah. might have thought it was one of the brothers. And then they eventually mm-hmm. moved out and it stopped happening. Yeah. But yeah, Anyone nobody doing that to you is not good. Nobody knew about the extent of like the tampons. Exactly. And, uh, That's uh, what creeps me out the, the most, if anything. It's uh who have enjoyed like hiding. Bottom drawer. Yeah. Go on. The bottom drawer was full of videotapes and DVDs. Some of it was just regular run-of-the-mill porn. Okay, whatever. I don't care about that. No one cares about that. However, some of it was not, and Mm -hmm. that's what we're going to talk about. Excuse me. There was VHS tapes of home movies. Okay, fine. Just home movies. Just regular. Not crazy. No. There were cassette tapes from his camcorder of Susan, Mm -hmm. filming her in secret without her knowledge. There were films of strangers, women, and young girls he didn't know. And we're going to get into all of it. I'm going to get into it. Ooh. Even the innocent family videos, so just like regular home movies, you like what yeah. we've got from when we were kids in the 90s yeah. with those giant cameras. They Even so those yeah. featured Susan prominently. He would always pan the camera over to her. He'd always, he'd have a commentary about everything all the time. He'd make lewd comments about her. Ugh. And just film. So when the couple That's lived gross. with them in 2003, that he would film hell. Susan while she was putting on her makeup, while she was reading, writing, eating. He would just film her constantly. That would piss me off so much. It pissed her off. She couldn't stand it. Even, you like, could tell that she was just fucking tolerating him. Yeah. And all the while, he was delivering a stuttering commentary. Oh. When the couple no. went out, Steve would follow them in his car and film Susan without their knowledge. There are videos, I've seen them, of Steve filming Susan and the camera's clearly zoomed in really close showing that he's far away. Yeah. And he zoomed in and he'd focus on certain body parts like her bum. And her legs. And her legs. And he would follow Susan to work and film her in the parking lot. In one video that it's burned into my fucking memory, 
she gets into a car mm. and as she's getting into the car and sitting down her skirt rides up a bit yeah so she as she's sat in the car she tugs it back down again yeah. and you can hear steve whispering to himself he goes yeah. like she did that for me yeah <sighs> I hate it so much. And you can just imagine him sat there in the car with a boner. Do you reckon he wrote a song about that? He wrote 50 <laughs> songs about this woman. <laughs> there is a video of her at home folding laundry. Steve is filming okay. from another room through the open doorway. What? Yeah, so she's just in a room God, folding her laundry. And Steve is in another room. He's filming her through two open doorways. He's filming, like, through. That's commitment. And he's talking to the camera just saying, God, quote, this is a quote. God, I worship her. She just turns me on. I'm in a perpetual state of turned on when she's around. End quote. Perpetual state. <laughs> okay, Steve. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, Steve. Yeah, sure. These <laughs> I'm so done with this. Nothing, nothing shocks me. I think I just welcome to being desensitized to everything. He's a weird potato. Yeah, just put him in jail. But it's just the fact that strange. It was constant. It's it's creepy. It bothers me that it's constant. And but she literally she's just filming. She's she's folding the laundry. You just want to be comfortable but like you steve can't. was watching her at home he was watching yeah. her sleep he was watching her eat he was watching her in the parking lot at work when when she went out with her husband for like to pick up dinner or something he got in the car and followed them she it was he was stalking her yeah. but because he lived with them he could stalk her like 24 7 yeah and she couldn't get away from it no because you can't just move on a whim. no no so i mentioned previously about mm. how steve described their peak sexual encounter when he gave Susan a massage in 2003. Uh I mentioned that just a few minutes ago. After this happened, he went back home. No, he didn't. No, he did. (laughs) He went back home from Yakima and he filmed himself talking about it. So he set up the camera on a a tripod or a desk or something and he's sitting on the edge of the bed in a vest and he's literally talking to the camera doing a video diary about what just happened because he's clearly ecstatic with the fact that he got to like <laughs> oh, rub no. her feet and rub her back can we get him a real therapist because he needs to talk to someone that isn't no himself. i've not finished no <laughs> i've not finished don't look afraid it's terrible by the way he is sitting on his bed and he monologues to the camera about what a high energy sexual encounter it was <laughs> he then touches himself he takes off all his clothes Ooh. and he gets himself off Sophie, <gasps> you asked me in the first episode if Steve ever watched his videos back. Oh no! And I said that the door was locked. Oh shit! We're gonna open the door. It's a door, not a wall. It's guys. come now. The moment has arrived. So Steve would watch his videos that he took of Susan and play them on the TV. So he hooked up his little VHS thing. You asked me a question. I mean, I was going to explain this anyway, but the fact that you asked me in the beginning, I was like, (laughs) oh, you have no idea what I'm about to tell you. So he would record Susan doing normal shit. Mm. He would then put it onto a tape. He then plugged the tape in so he could watch it on the TV. So his Mm -hmm. TV in his room, his shitty little TV, has got Susan doing normal shit on it. He would then set up a camera to film himself masturbating <laughs> while he watched Susan on the TV. So it reminds me of those reaction people on YouTube. Yeah, so it's kind like, of like watch, a reaction video, but he's like, like just wanking. Yeah, and being like, oh. 
That's probably what he Then did. he would keep that video. <laughs> it's just an endless He then got sexual pleasure just... from watching himself masturbate to Susan. <laughs> so gross. In one video. Did he get on the camera? Huh? <laughs> Did he get it on the it camera? It took me a My brain was like, no, you're not going to process <laughs> like, that. That's not going to be happening. Like, you didn't hear that, Karen. I'm sure he probably did. Yeah. In one video, he put a photo of Susan's face on a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> dressed. So no, I'm not finished. I'm going to read this sentence. Okay. He then dressed that pillow in Susan's underwear that he stole. He then... <laughs> God, I hate this. He then did horrible things to the pillow. <laughs> And he filmed the whole thing. <laughs> there are hundreds of hours of tapes like this. And you think, like, guys getting themselves off maybe takes, like, ten minutes. Yeah. Hundreds of hours. That's a lot. Though. Hundreds of hours. It was constant. He was obsessed with her. He was stalking her. The police, those police yeah, officers had to, had to watch... watch Every single second. Can you imagine having to watch this disgusting man just fapping <laughs> constantly? Just I, I hate pillow. all of this. I know I'm laughing, but it's no. honestly it's disbelief. It's, so it's yeah. I'm so it's uncomfortable, shocked. and it's just the disbelief that this is real life, and this was his life, and that he brought people into this. That, that was his hobby. That's something he enjoyed. Oh my god! It's then right. there are the journals. There are <laughs> I don't know if you can hear my cat just then. There are fifteen notebooks, all pages full of notes that he made, mm. documenting about his obsession with Susan. Wow! At one point, he even wrote that Josh and he should be able to share Susan. That's disgusting. I hate this. It's guy. hard to imagine the thousands of pages. I shall read some quotes for you now. No, fuck off. <laughs> I'm so sick of Just tell me to fuck off. No, because we have got so much we, of this. We need to know. Yeah, if right. I had to look through all this, you have to hear about it. And to be fair, we didn't, we, we don't have to watch those tapes. We, can we just, don't have to watch those fucking tapes. We're at the missing Although having the, the, the tape where he's talking about the massage, yeah. where he sat on the bed, mm. I've seen bits of it. Mm. And obviously they don't like the police haven't uploaded anything where he's like jacking off. Thankfully. Thankfully. But they have uploaded bits where he's literally talking about it and he's like rubbing his nipples and stuff. <laughs> and I've seen that and oh yeah. my god, it was horrific. It was so difficult yeah. to not giggle. Not puke. It was <laughs> anyway quote Susan got off work at 9 o'clock and I was waiting concealed near her car when she was about 100 yards away I started filming and got her walking all that way with close ups of her legs etc I was kind of making a pretense of hiding but I knew she knew that I was stalking her and I knew she liked it end quote Okay, so he's conditioning himself to think that she's completely okay with this. Yeah, he's basically tricking himself Definitely. into into thinking that this is consensual. Yeah, it is so not consensual. No, Nothing about not this is consensual. Nope. And he's saying, oh, I knew she liked it, really. Yeah, she You fucking done. rapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quote, another one. Mm-hmm. 
I imagine my obsession with her, my accumulation of all her pictures and underwear, will seem nasty or perverted to some future reader, perhaps a descendant of mine and Susan's. But I am not inclined (laughs) to hide the depth and power of the desire I feel for her, end quote. Well, you heard how we felt on that. (laughs) Yeah, so... Was Even he though to have children with her, or he obviously clearly that wanted really sounded to. Like it. So there's, I can't remember if, I can't remember if I've written this down, but there was something that I read where mm-hmm. he said about how he really hoped that one day Susan would realize what a stupid little fuckboy Josh was, <laughs> and she'd come running to him, and then he would accept her into his bed and into his house. Ooh, but he no. didn't think that his other children would approve of it. But the way that he said, like, bring her to my bed, it made me feel ill. Like, he just, (laughs) yeah, you know what, yeah, I'm not even going to argue with that. As Susan began to look for a divorce and Mm. the couple's marriage was in trouble, shortly before Susan went missing, his journal's entries covered this. So they read, quote, It is painful to me to be so in love with her and want her so badly while she says that she's committed to a marriage to someone who despises her. I am also vain enough to think that she stays with Josh partly because she's in love with me, end quote. So he didn't view the divorce as, oh, she's really, she doesn't want to be with a sportboy, she's going to marry me instead. He dropped that. Well, he he was desperately hoping that yeah. she would leave Josh and marry him. Mm-hmm. And here she's saying he's saying that he wants to think that she stay that she the only reason she is staying with Josh mm-hmm. is so that she can be closer to her his dad. Him. Yeah. No. That's not what that is. <laughs> yeah. Another quote. Josh hates her so much he even wishes she were dead. He even talks about it occasionally, fantasizing that she might have an accident. That worries me too, since couples who die in murder suicides are not that rare. End quote. That is something I don't underestimate. No. So the fact that yeah, like Susan hasn't even gone missing yet, mm-hmm. and and Steve, who talks to Josh quite a lot on the phone, yeah. is writing in his private journal about how he's worried that Susan will be killed by Josh. And he also anticipates Josh killing himself along with her, mm-hmm. which I find poignant. Yeah. So after Susan went missing, he continued to journal about her. So just because she wasn't around anymore doesn't mean that he stopped obsessing with her. Um, there are pages upon pages, and Dave Corley uploaded transcripts to the Cole website, which I highly recommend wow. you read. Yes. So go on it, read the transcripts. He mm-hmm. did a lot of really good work. He had to watch the fapping video. Oh, no. Yeah, he did. No. And so Dave, he's done no. some really good shit. So oh, if you are interested in this, yeah. read them. Mm. Because it's so interesting in a disgusting way. It's abhorrent, but it's such an insight into yeah. somebody's brain. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. One telling excerpt is written by Steve and dated December 8th, 2009, one day after Susan went missing. Right, yeah. One day after. Okay. Quote, I feel like Josh did a truly stupid thing and probably disposed of her body in a very grotesque way. I think he probably went to some former industrial land just west of West Valley City and cremated her. I don't see how he could live with an image like that in his mind. Her body was beautiful, and she took pains to care for it and her hair and her face. If she had died naturally at 28 years old, 
She deserved a satin-lined coffin with her beautiful head resting on a soft pillow. That he could do such a thing once suggests he could do it again. If things go too badly, he could murder the boys and hang himself to avoid going to prison and leaving them with their Mormon families that would no doubt take custody of them, end quote. He's not his prophecy about Josh murdering the boys and yeah. then killing himself to avoid consequences mm-hmm. and giving his sons to their grandparents mm-hmm. is nothing short of haunting. Yes. Scary. But also the fact that literally the day after Susan went missing, yeah. the day after she went missing, she hasn't been seen for 24 hours and no. Steve immediately believes that Josh has killed her with no hesitation. Yeah. No hesitation whatsoever. He has immediately jumped to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. Aside from Susan, Steve also filmed other women and girls. Mm -hmm. So we talked before about how he would film children at the school playground. He also filmed women just shopping in malls. (sighs) Detectives found photos of two young girls. And when I say young girls, Mm. I mean prepubescent. These girls were naked and partially clothed. And the photos were clearly screenshots from a video. Oh no, that's even worse. The video was found burned on a CD. And there were multiple clips of the same girls being filmed on different days. That's awful. Because the lighting was different, the weather was different, and it was obvious that it wasn't the same time. And it was also clear that the girls were being filmed through a window of their house. Ooh, okay, so at least they're not like in a... Like He's not like kidnapped them or anything. Yeah, no, but they're like the they're in this they should be safe in they their should. house yeah. and they're being violated through mm. a window. This window was visible through Steve's bedroom window. So he took the footage. The little girls were his next door neighbours and they were eight and ten years old. Mm. On the second of September two thousand and eleven, mm. Steve Powell was arrested on charges of creating child pornography. Mm. Which is Big. That's pretty dumb. They also yeah. took Charlie and Brayden into protective custody, as it's safe to assume they weren't in an environment with a if they they weren't safe in an environment with a man who had been caught illegally making child porn. Absolutely. So children. they took the kids. Yeah. So when the officers came to collect the boys, it was a female officer oh. and they ran to her. Oh my gosh. And they happily went with her. They didn't oh. even ask any questions. They were like, Yep, let's oh go. Oh my god. Josh was That's at the scary. house, but he didn't come out. Police wow. were there arresting what? his dad and taking his kids, and he didn't come out. He didn't budge. Eventually, John went to go and get him, wow. and Josh walked out nonchalant as usual and asked, Hey, what's up? What's going on? Police died. explained, Jeez. and Josh fully accepted it. He didn't try to stop them taking Charlie and Brayden. He didn't hug them or kiss them. I think... He was shitting himself in his house thinking that Steve was being arrested because of Susan Mm -hmm. and he didn't want to come out and he was just relieved that he wasn't being arrested for her murder. The boys were in protective custody Mm -hmm. and then they were given to Chuck and Judy to live with who were more than happy with the arrangement. I'm glad they have So they were able to show Susan's sons photos of her and tell Charlie and Brayden how much she loved them. Mm -hmm. Josh was able to get supervised visitation rights he clearly desperately wanted to get his sons back, but it didn't seem to be because he <laughs> because he particularly cared for them. Yeah, it won't be out of He work. just wanted them to be away from Susan's parents. Mm-hmm. Josh began to appear in and out of court in a battle to get Charlie and Braden back, but it was moving slowly because all things like this move slowly. Yeah. 
Josh was ordered to take a psychosexual evaluation. Obviously, with him being Steve's son, and they just discovered a mountain of horrible evidence in the home that they were all living in, they needed to see if Josh had any tendencies that he might have got from his father. That's reasonable. And you know what? Considering what we've seen in Josh's journals about examining his sister, and as well, when he was, like, a young adult, and he saw Susan when she was 12, Mm. and he was like, oh, she's real cute. It's a shame she's too young. Yeah, I think Uh, they should fully look into if he has any fucking tendencies. Because he's... They're there. Chuck... Cox spoke to Colt about this, saying, quote, mm. That's the point where he knew he couldn't get out of it. He was stuck. He would not stand up to a psychosexual evaluation because it's a lie detector test. And the psychosexual evaluation is not to see if you're a pervert, but how big a pervert you are. And they can ask you any questions they want during that to get your reaction. And they could ask him questions about Susan. Would have been perfectly acceptable to ask those questions under that evaluation and hooked up to a lie detector with a few extra leads on it. Mm. He would not. There is no way he's going to fake that. So he knew he could not pass that in my mind. He knew that was it. End quote. So that's Susan's dad. And he fully believes that at this point, when Josh needs to take that test, that he knows... He is trapped and he can't escape the fact mm-hmm. that he's going to get nailed for this. There's no wiggle room. No. A few days later after this, after mm-hmm. it had been announced to Josh that he needs to take this test, mm-hmm. he went back to his rented property and packed up Charlie and Braden's toys and books and donated all of them to Goodwill. What? He... He's okay, still, so... He's still alive. He doesn't need to dispose of that. <sighs> he's clearly... Look, right before Susan went missing, he started planning. He started shopping. Yeah. He's just been told that he needs to take this inescapable test. His dad's been arrested, his kids have been taken, and don't forget as well, his kids have started to say things. Yeah, they they know things. They know things, and they've started to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to his rented storage units and his rented property, and he's packing up their toys, and he's got rid of all of it. This isn't going to lead anywhere good. He withdrew, well, you know where it leads. Yeah, I know. He withdrew some money from his bank account and deposited it in his sister Alina's account. He sent several emails to his tenant, to his siblings, saying goodbye. On February the 5th, 2012, Josh had his scheduled supervised visit at his home with Charlie and Braden. Scheduled visits are not supposed to be in someone's house. They're supposed to be somewhere neutral. Yeah. For a reason. Uh A social worker from the state called Elizabeth Griffin... Hall, Elizabeth Griffin Hall. <laughs> I read that like it was. <laughs> she drove to Josh's house where she would spend the visit with the boys and their father. Okay. So I've made a note here mm-hmm. and I say, as I'm writing this, I have butterflies in my stomach because I know what comes next and I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm also kind of anticipating that. So yeah, like as I was writing this down, I was just, I felt mm-hmm. sick. Yeah. The three, so jo- so Charlie Braden and um, Elizabeth got out of the car and Josh opened the door. And he told his boys that he had a surprise for them. The mm-hmm. two children raced into the house and Elizabeth followed. When she reached the door, Josh looked her in the face and slammed the door and locked it. Elizabeth was confused, like you fucking would be, yeah. and she started pounding on the door. Obviously, this does not normally happen at supervised visits. This no. is not normal behaviour. Okay. She rang the doorbell, she banged on the door some more and shouted for Josh to open the door. She then heard a child crying. She could smell gasoline. Okay. 
Elizabeth dialed 911 immediately. Good. This 911 call is one of the hardest I've ever listened to. I've listened to a few, obviously. Mm. It's not graphic. It's no. not got any explicitly disturbing content in it. It's just frustrating. Mm. Like, beyond belief frustrating. <laughs> you can tell that Elizabeth is trying her best, and this dispatcher just fucks everything up. Elizabeth explains the situation and gives him the address. Mm. The dispatcher clearly isn't listening because he keeps asking for details that she's already given him and she has to repeat herself multiple times. She was on the phone for eight minutes and the dispatcher said he would have someone contact her. Not come straight to the house, but to contact Elizabeth on the phone. Oh, no. Yeah. Dispatchers are supposed to stay on the line the whole time until someone gets No, because this wasn't an emergency. So she hung up and waited. Like, what else could she do? If she's yeah. been talking to the dispatcher I mean, she's, and she's been she's trying tried. to get him to yeah. listen, mm-hmm. what could she do? Doesn't so she just does what she's told. Even though she knows, I need to do something, but she's yeah. tried calling the police and this is what the police have told her to do. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth moved her car away from the house. So it was away from the driveway. So then if the police came, they could get to the house. So she yeah. got out of the way and she waited. And suddenly the house burst into flames. The windows exploded outwards and the heat roiled, flames spreading up into the sky. Mm. A fire station is a quarter of a mile away from the house and they started getting calls. Elizabeth could hear sirens, but nothing came. She called 911 again, audibly distressed yeah because i've definitely. listened to this as well and you can hear that she's stressed sure the I'm police focused. finally arrived at 12 30. Mm. it took 22 minutes from when she called the first time for first responders to arrive and by this point all three members of the powell family were dead for the millionth time no one can see you shaking your head <laughs> <laughs> how many times so... do I have to keep telling you people can't see if I'm... you nod or shake your head I know I'm, you can look at me just... all you like but no one can see guys I'm horrified by this I already knew this and I was anticipating hearing it but still hearing it just really I feel like that it's it's fucking horrific it's, it's horrific. frustrating as hell with that dispatcher because every minute matters and hell half second last yeah. And they just sat there But going. the, like, I listened to this call when I was waiting for the train after work one day and mm-hmm. I was standing at the station. I was yeah. just listening to it. And I was just getting so pissed. And I felt like I just wanted to do something. Yeah. You I felt like, like I had to move. do something. Yeah. And there was nothing like, this happened, like, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. No. 10 years ago. A long time ago. And, but yeah, just, oh, just hearing her voice, it made you want to do something, but it didn't give the dispatch that feeling, clearly. No, he was just, meh. He was just so indifferent to it. So it spread quite quickly what happened, and Chuck Cox has spoken at length since as to how he was the one to tell many of Susan's friends and family what Josh had done. So many of Susan's friends, Kirsty Halliwell, Debbie Caldwell, her work colleagues, Mm. all of these people were still in touch with each other, and they were all still actively searching for her. They all knew the boys, and they knew how much they meant to Susan. This was Josh's last, final act to erase her from the world. Nobody could have her, not her parents, not her friends. Mm. She loved her sons more than anything in the world and he took them away to spite her and her family. And he killed himself because he was too much of a coward to go to prison for what he had done. This is grim, 
So if you don't want to listen to the disturbing details I'm about to tell you, please skip ahead. Skip. Okay. I'm assuming people have skipped. <laughs> I hope so. After the autopsies were carried out, yeah. it was discovered that Josh had used a hatchet to bludgeon both boys in the head. Oh. So he used a hatchet to bludgeon them in the head. I imagine that he hit one first yeah. and the other one started screaming. Mm-hmm. And those are the cries that Elizabeth could hear. Mm-hmm. And then they stopped too. <sighs> That's rough. That's fucking rough. That's very rough. That the thing is, that possibly makes it worse, mm. was that smoke was found in the boys' lungs, yeah. which shows that when the fire was blazing, they were still alive. Mm-hmm. The hatchet blows had not killed them. No. And they suffocated to death in the smoke. Josh also died from smoke inhalation. And this is immature of me, but mm. I personally hope that they were the longest minutes of his life. Yeah. I hope that every breath burned. May they be slow. Sure. Charlie and Brayden were buried together in a single casket. Oh. Oh my gosh. The headstone above their final resting place also has a dedication to Susan, even oh. though she's not there, mm. and a photo of the three of them together. Josh Powell's family tried to get him buried in the same cemetery, but the courts forbade it. Thank fucking God. He has since been cremated, and his remaining family have not revealed what they've done with the ashes. Good. So I, nobody knows no. where he is, nobody can visit him. Mm. Knowing the Powell family, they could just be in a fucking box somewhere in the hoarder house. Yeah, they did. The police were no closer to finding Susan, and the one person they knew definitely had something to do with it was now dead. And he didn't leave anything behind him that helped. Because he's a fucking idiot and he can't do anything right. It's frustrating that everything is documented. Some of his hard drives to this day have still never been decrypted. Wow. And the police have been looking at outside help. The FBI have tried. Oh. Random people that are really good at decrypting stuff have volunteered their help. And the police have been like, yeah. Right? <laughs> and they can't get in. Ooh. So on the off chance that someone is listening who's really good at decrypting shit. Yeah, please do. Like people give you skill. The police want this done. Yeah. So do, yeah. Do it. Please. Um at this point, yeah. I want us to take a coffee break. This is a really long episode and there's some really intense content in here this week. Mm-hmm. So pause the episode, get yourself a hot drink. Get yourself an extra blanket. Just settle down and make yourself more cozy. Yeah, so I like that. We right now, mm-hmm. I'm going to go and put us the kettle on. Yay. I'm going to make us a drink. Yeah. And we'll be back in a moment. See you soon. Okay, have you got a drink? Do you have enough blankets? Welcome back. Pillows. Nobody needs to pee. Don't. Well, I mean, the thing is, to be honest, you could, like, take your phone and still listen while you pee. Yeah, just have a sit. But it's best if you don't have to get up. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Anyway, so now we're all back. I want to talk about Michael Powell. Right. Michael is the youngest son in the Powell family. He's several years younger than Josh. Mm. We haven't talked about him very much yet because we've been very preoccupied with Josh and Gross Steve. Uh But there are a few things about Michael that I want to mention. 
Michael is definitely the smartest of the Powell children, Ooh. excluding Jennifer, who has more common sense than all of them put together. Right. Michael is book smart, and he oh. was into encrypting his computers and emails long before Susan ever went missing. Wow, okay. The police got a warrant for his phone records in 2011, and they found some interesting things. Sophie, I know that you know something mm-hmm. about Michael Powell, I but do. I don't think you know everything. So this, everything. So this is going to be interesting. Do I have to strap in? Hold my. You can strap in. If there's anything that I say that you don't Mm. know, tell me. If you're like, oh, I haven't heard this before. Yeah. Um, Okay. Just because I thrive off validation. You do. I thrive off it. So you love a good pat on the back. I fucking love. Well done. Oh, my favorite words. Well done. I'm like, something you didn't ask for. I exist for a reason. (laughs) Okay, so the police got a warrant for his phone records in 2011 and found some interesting things. He used his phone quite a lot. Michael did. Okay, but on December the fifth and sixth, the last two days that Susan was seen alive, he had no activity whatsoever. Oh, that's that's just <laughs> wow! I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Okay, and it's, it's just so questionable. It's fucking like, weird, right? Was he in on the maliciousness of what was going on, mate? Or was he just being his own kind of weird in general, mate? I don't know. The thing is, right? Think about ah, it like this: Josh yeah. knew that his dad was creepily in love with his wife, right? Yeah. So we talked mm. to his dad about some things, and we know that they spoke on the phone a lot because Susan wrote in her journals, God, my fucking husband wants to <laughs> talking on the phone to his fucking creepy dad. Yeah. So we know that that was happening. Mm-hmm. But Josh didn't really have any friends. No. Because he's a loser. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a loser. John was very mentally unwell, so I don't think it likely that Josh really confided in him about, like, serious things and yeah. stuff. But Michael, mm. the age gap was maybe like five years or so. Ah. But Josh thought that he was really smart. Mm. Michael was actually really smart. They were brothers. Yeah. Neither of them really had a lot of friends. I think that Josh talked to Michael about a lot of things. Yeah. I personally think so. Maybe. So Michael. if Josh had a plan, which he did, yeah. I wonder if Michael knew about it. Do you think he taught him how to encrypt things? Yes. Because I, I yes, I do think so. <laughs> um, the following day, around the same time that Josh was returning home from camping, mm. his phone switched back on again. Lucky him. Yeah, very mm. interesting. His phone switched off again until the twelfth of December, when he drove to Utah with his sister Alina. They dicked around in Utah, and they drove back to Puyallup on the 22nd of December, 10 days later. Mm. On the way back home, right, I need you to pay attention, okay? okay. You've got to put your detective hat on now. All right. It's securely on your head. Sure thing. On the way back home, the car broke down in Baker City, which is partway between Utah and Puyallup, right? Okay. Alina called AAA, who mm. offered to tow the car to a nearby auto shop to fix it so that a, a AAA were like yeah we'll come get it we'll drive you to the closest auto shop so you can get it fixed that, that would be everyone's like that's, yeah let's do that's that that's reasonable yeah. yeah everyone would be like great idea Alina declined and she insisted that the car get towed 97 miles away to Pendleton instead for whatever reason Alina and Michael wanted this car and any records of it to be as far away as possible mm. The pair stayed at a motel overnight, and the next morning, 
Michael wanted to get his car taken care of. Yeah, they extended their efforts for no one external to them seeing that car or interacting with it in any way is very unsettling. The car had been dropped the night before at Lindell's Auto, and Michael insisted to Dave Lindell, the owner, that there was something wrong with the transmission and it simply wasn't working. He wanted to sell it immediately, despite the fact that the car looked pretty nice despite being 12 years old, and Dave couldn't find anything obviously wrong with it. Dave gave him $100, and Michael agreed immediately. It was definitely less than what the car was worth, but Michael wanted it gone. Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> you look like you wanted to say like, something. Like, you wanted to ask me something. You just got a look kinda, on your face like... I kind of feel like, I hope this guy kept the car and then gave it to kids. Do you? Yeah, because there's something shady about this car. I, well, you know how cars go to some place, they get sold and then they get crushed, yeah, crushed into cubes. And you're like, that's all evidence. You just crushed the evidence. <laughs> yeah, that's all they fucking did. <laughs> so many cases get screwed up. I'm just, I'm just saying, that. like the amount of times where I've chastised Sophie for just silently nodding at me, she looks <laughs> manic right now, and she's like waving her arms around. She clearly feels very my passionate. My feels warm under my skin. You clearly feel very passionate Everywhere. about evidence in cars. It gets to me. <laughs> I don't even drive, but it's like I want to get that car and preserve it. Okay, so back on track. Mm. Over the next few years, Dave took parts from the car for repairs, so he used them for repairs for other things. Okay. And the Ford Taurus sat mostly forgotten in his lock until Ooh. two years later when a police analyst recovered information <gasps> that Michael had sold his car halfway between Utah and Puyallup. Whoa. It just so happened that the car was still at the auto repair shop. It hadn't been crushed into a cube, just like Michael had hoped, but was still sitting there on the lot, albeit with bits missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The police took a cadaver dog, called Tug, into the lot and let him fucking loose. Go on, Tug. Obviously, the police use lots of different kinds of search dogs, Mm. and a cadaver dog's job is... Well, the clue is really in the name. They specifically seek out human remains or where a dead human body has been. Mm-hmm. Tug happens to be a very good boy, and once he was off his lead, he jogged straight over to Michael Powell's Ford Taurus and sat next to the wow. trunk. Mm. He li- he he went straight for that fucking car out of all the cars, and he sat next to the trunk. This is Tug's signal that he's found something. So when he sits next to something, that yeah. means, hey, it's it. Come over here. Yeah. I've smelled something. Tug was allowed to sniff all around the car and inside it, and he kept going back to the trunk. I've seen photos of Tug. He's very cute. He's a very good boy. He's going on the Instagram. Um, And he just kept going back to the fucking trunk. He was like, look, there is something in this fucking trunk. Do you know about his, like, uh, the the dogs have, like, uh, I don't want to say qualifications, but, like, credibility? They do have. So Yeah, so they have... Like school reports. Yeah. Um, I don't know what tugs were. I hope um, it does get kept. Good. Um, I mean, from the sounds of this, it sounds pretty. His nose was on the mark, unlike mine, which doesn't work. But that's <laughs> oh. something else. So the car was taken back to police HQ, and all sorts of tests were done. Yay! But what? Nothing conclusive could be determined as to whether Susan's body had been in the trunk. Well, I'm glad they knew that rather than never knowing. Yeah, the car had been sat outside in all weathers for two years. Mm. The police got a warrant and flew out to Minneapolis, which is where Michael was living then, and interviewed him. Just going back to the car, I think Susan's body was fucking in it. Definitely. But I just think that where 
evidence had deteriorated after being outside for two years. They couldn't prove it. Yeah. Inconclusive. Mm-hmm. The dog sat there. Michael desperately wanted to get rid of it. Yeah. He happened to be driving back mysteriously after Josh disappeared for 18 hours with a rental car. Mm-hmm. The- I, and then his phone's off. His phone's off. Yeah, it's like, ah, there was a body in his that His are pointing to you. And your trunk. So Michael was living in Minneapolis. Police got a warrant to go and speak to him because they were like, hey, what's up with this car? Mm-hmm. Josh refused to answer any questions and actually told police that if he believed Josh had had something to do with Susan's disappearance, he wouldn't help them anyway. Which makes you look real innocent. How arsy as well. But like, if you want to look... I even if I didn't know. But like... <laughs> you. But like, if Jesus. you were really guilty, surely yeah. you wouldn't say that. Oh, I mean, like, that's what you would say. Because no, you're so like, proud of being guilty. But if you apparently. wanted to look like you weren't yeah. super guilty, you would say something else. You'd be like, oh, I, I sold it, yeah. The it, thing is, two months after this questioning in mm-hmm. December, yep. Michael made a rather interesting search on his computer. Mm-hmm. So the search has led into a website called Apollo Mapping, which Ooh. has satellite images. That's really cool. It is cool. Michael thought it was cool too. Michael contacted the Colorado-based company and requested specific images of Pendleton, Oregon, but they must have been taken October 2007. No. What? <laughs> they must have been taken October 2011. Sorry. Or later. Okay. Nothing earlier than that would do. He specifically wanted to see a satellite image of what the police had seen. What was there now? Katie Nelson, who worked at Apollo Mapping, got back to Michael. They only had images from August and Michael wasn't interested. It couldn't give him the reassurance that the car was now a tiny cube. He needed to know Mm. what the police could see when they went in October or now. He needed to see that. Mm. so fast forward to after josh's death the police had decided to keep a close eye on all the powells since josh's death Mm -hmm. in the hope that one of them would lead them to susan's body this is when the police found the emails to apollo mapping a detective by the name of daryl dane got in touch with katie nelson now katie hadn't spoken to anyone about her connection to this case outside the police until dave corley got in touch so everything we have about this part is all from him oh okay katie didn't find his request that unusual to start with she said that lots of people ask her for strange things went in to look for crop circles or aliens or like this is fucking like <laughs> that would be me yeah <laughs> <laughs> Give me a crop circle. One crop circle, please. <laughs> but Michael didn't seem like a crop circles or aliens kind of guy. No. Detective Dane wanted to try and get more information out of exactly what Michael was hoping to see. He instructed Katie to call him back Ooh. and to tell him that there might be an image he would want. So call him back, she did. Yeah. Katie hadn't heard much about the case at the time, but the more she found out about what happened to Susan and what Josh had done to her sons, she wanted to help out. Yeah, of course. Imagine, though, being Katie in this scenario. You're just chilling at work, doing work yeah. stuff, helping customers with queries, and then the police mm-hmm. come in and tell you <laughs> that a normal work query might have something to do with a really high-profile missing person and a double murder case. Yeah. It would be fucking crazy knowing that you've spoken to someone who's involved. It'd be scary, because that could be anyone you've spoken to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Katie helped out because she's a buddy, and Detective Dane set up a recording device to capture the phone conversation as it took place. Wow. Once she got him on the phone, she asked mm. him to be more specific of the area that he wanted to view. Did he have coordinates? He didn't, but he gave her a business location. Oh, that's something. Lindell's auto. Oh my god. Katie promised to look and see if the auto shop was visible in this new image. Okay. And they arranged to call back if he wanted to go ahead. As if on cue, Michael called back the next day. He would buy the satellite image for $483. Turns out that satellite imagery isn't cheap. Katie explained to Michael that she was hesitant to advise a customer to buy an image if they were looking for a car Uh, because the definition wasn't necessarily clear enough to identify something the size of a vehicle. It's taken from space. (laughs) Plus, the image didn't show the whole lot at Lindell's, just a part of it. So this isn't true. Obviously, the image doesn't exist. But the police wanted to know how far Michael would go. What does he need to see in the image? If he's like, no, it's fine. And well, just wants it. It's it's more like they want to see how much he's willing to do mm-hmm. for so little. Because yeah, then if they know true. how valuable it is to him, then they're like, okay, there must be something. Yeah. But Michael was insistent. He knew what he wanted. Mm-hmm. He didn't seem to care. He just wanted anything they were able to give him. Uh-huh. Okay, that's... Of this interaction, Katie later said, quote... Rather surprising that someone wants to spend that kind of money, but in his desperation, you pay a lot for the security of knowing that people don't know your secret, which is, I think, what this was worth to him. Ooh. End quote. That's a fucking That's banging quote, man. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. You pay a lot for the security of knowing that people don't know your secret. That yep. sums up this whole That's thing. That's exactly what yeah. that is. Whew. A month later, depositions were happening. So Michael had been called to give evidence at a hearing into finding the appropriate beneficiary to life insurance policies made for Josh and Susan. So they were Mm. both dead. Life insurance was happening. Michael's potential involvement was being discussed. Mm -hmm. Questions around the conversations he had with Josh after Susan's disappearance, the wiretap on the phones, and the car that Bing got rid of. Detective Maxwell has revealed that the police were closing in on him to try and get the whereabouts of Susan's body. Mm. It's fairly reasonable to make connections between secret encrypted conversations, long days with no phone pings, a missing body, and a car that's had a corpse in it being rapidly disposed of, and said car being monitored desperately by satellite years later. He looks guilty. He looks very guilty. Shifty as fuck. In February the next year, Chuck Cox was announced as the conservator of Susan's estate. Which is a really good that victory is, for him. On the afternoon of February 11th, 2013, Michael Powell drove to a multi-story car park in downtown Minneapolis. Okay. He smoked a cigarette okay. and then launched himself over the wall on the seventh floor. Okay. He died instantly upon hitting the pavement below. I mean, they say you either fall and it's clean or messy. So They say that? Yeah. Who's they? Uh... <laughs> Who says that? <laughs> I don't know. I've watched some documentaries. <laughs> Maybe it's best I don't remember anything else from that. Jennifer, the oldest Powell sibling, believes that Michael helped his big brother hide Susan's body. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I she believes that Josh put her somewhere the night they went camping, mm. and then when Michael came to Utah, they moved her, hiding her more thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Gross Steve served a full term for his possession and manufacturing of child porn, and he was released in July 2017 to be under supervision for two years and regular visits from a parole officer. In July 2018, one year later, Uh Gross Steve fucking died. What? Of a heart attack. Everything that he knew was also taken to the grave. Yeah, because there'll be stuff that... Yep. Why is everyone dying? That's all I have. I'm sick of this. For this story. Yeah. But even though my telling of it is finished, the story Mm -hmm. of Susan Cox Powell is not over. She is out there somewhere and people are still searching in 2022. Wow. 12 years after, people are still looking. Earlier this year, in February, clothes and bones were found by searchers in a mine shaft in West Utah. I remember when this came up on the news and because I already knew about this case. I was like, oh, fuck, holy shit. (laughs) The group Diesel Brothers searched the mineshaft looking for anything to do with Susan after suspicious activity was reported around 2000 cent of time. So they thought, okay, maybe this is it. So basically what happened is Susan obviously went missing in December. In January 2010, Mm -hmm. this mine, someone set fire to it and there was fire burning from the bottom up. Mm. That's not what you're hiding. So they investigated this mine and they found bones trash and clothes oh there were okay. a pair of trousers found that looked like women's dress pants and the clothes yeah. were shown to kirstie halliwell who after all these years still cries at the thought of bringing her friend home to rest oh. i watched a video clip about this and mm. i read the articles when it happened mm. and seeing those men complete strangers to susan yeah. looking somber and descending down into the dark earth looking for her made me feel a little bit emotional mm. and I read a lot of horrible things and I've seen a lot of horrible photos and reports but for some reason I can't quite figure out just seeing these men Mm. go into the mineshaft just made me tear up. Like seeing these men and they're like big Mm. gruff looking men with like scruffy beards and like work clothes and safety gear on and they're being lowered into the the ground. But just the way their facial expressions are so serious and so somber and they know that they're doing something really grim but really important and just Mm. seeing that just made me oh my god it's probably because it's such a contrast to what the men were like in her life mainly that she was dealing with yeah and these are strangers to her these people never met her but they Mm -hmm. care more about her than her own husband ever did yeah but yeah it's yeah so chuck cox actually flew to the scene and helped the searchers go through the items they dredged up from beneath the earth a couple of weeks later he announced publicly that the bones did not belong to his daughter Testing showed that they were animal bones and that the clothes had male DNA, but there is still more testing to be done. Mm. And this proves, if nothing else, that Susan is still being looked for. Older cases are being solved all the time. And we can only hope that one day Susan will be laid to rest with her precious sons. I I really hope so. That's all I have. At the moment, that book is closed. I'm done. Um, (laughs) I really, really hope that one day while I'm still doing this podcast, yeah. I'll be able to post an update and say, update, yeah. they found her and she's going home. Yeah. I really hope I can do that. I, um, I hope so. That would be nice. That, to, would, um, that would be just... some closure. Yeah. I really hope that I can say that. Because she deserves so much more, but that's probably the most we can do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's all I've got. That um, was an incredible story. Thank you. It's Please. a it's a long one today. <laughs> it's very long. It's a long one. Um, I hope that I know it's heavy. This was this was a heavy episode. I'm sorry that heavy. it was heavy, but I'm not sorry because 
you're all true crime people and this is what you signed up for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're all in it together, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's stuff like this that it, it can't be overlooked. It's that simple. Yeah, it can't be. You can't just pretend it doesn't happen. Mm. Um, and yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for exploring this story with us. Yeah. Um, I hope that you still have some faith left in humanity, <laughs> even if it's only a little bit. Yeah. Um, I I find myself stumped for words. Yeah, after I episodes. Yeah, I can't think of anything to say because everything I feel like I had to say that was even a bit important. Yeah. It's already been said. Mm-hmm. Truly. But yeah, so we will see you soon. Mm-hmm. You'll be hearing us again I'm next really week excited. for Storytime Sunday. Yeah. Um, I hope that this Storytime Sunday has been enlightening and interesting. Yeah. And thank you for listening. Yeah, thank um, you for being with us Please, today. If you have time, leave us a little five-star rating on whatever platform mm-hmm. you listen to us on if you liked it. Yeah. Um, I've recently set up a Gmail account. So it's creeps and crime story time, all one word, at gmail.com. So if you have any case recommendations, I mean, I already have a list of well over 100 <laughs> cases. Compiled. We've got a long list. Quite a um, but if you just have any that you'd like to hear, please send it over to us. Mm. We also have an Instagram page, which is Creeps and Crime Storytime, mm-hmm. uh, where we put up photos relating to each of the cases we do. Yep. So even if you're not like really into Instagram, it might be worth having a look if you want to see things that are related to the cases we're discussing. Yeah. Um, and we always reply to comments. We always see everything. Um yeah, it's nice to hear from you guys. And it's it's really nice interact. to talk to people. It's um, really sweet. But yeah, that's it, that's it. That's all I can think about. Mm-hmm. And thanks. <laughs> I nearly said you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, you're welcome. Love is when you sat with someone and naturally polite people. <laughs> but no. Oh my god, I'm so tired. Right. You did so well. Thank you. Because that was heavy shit. And I find that saying things out loud is much more difficult than just thinking it and digesting it from someone else or something else yeah it takes a lot i said this to sophie when we paused for the coffee break Mm -hmm. but i have spent so many hours over the last few weeks reading about susan and her children and her life and in a weird sort of way i kind of feel like i've got to know her because i've just i've spent so many hours trying to learn as much as possible and it's it's weird and sad Mm. and I really really hope that one day her family can have some kind of justice and peace and something I really hope that but anyway thank you for listening and we'll see you next Sunday bye bye bye